And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. This Monday, April 9th, 2018 edition of the Hagman Report. So happy to be here. We got a lot we're going to get into, and there is uh, so much going on. We're not even going to have time tonight to cover it all. We got a great show lined up for you tonight. Just a, a quick announcement here. I am uh, flying solo in the studio. John is taking care of some personal business out in the West Coast, and my father and Eric took a trip to Washington, D.C. Now, it's not a, a vacation trip. It's a it's a work trip, and they're getting a lot done, uh, going to uh, do a number of things for not only the Hagman Report, but trying to further the goals of what the alternative media has been doing. And judging by the headlines and what we see going on in this world, we need the alternative media now more than ever. As just breaking news today, what is going on with Robert Mueller as he has raided, sent the FBI to raid the lawyer, Michael Cohen, Trump's personal lawyer, in a move that is certain to, to bring a whole bunch of cheers from the left and a whole bunch of criticism, and I believe rightfully so, from the right. Now, is Robert Mueller, as the Drudge Report says, expanding his probe? And what about attorney-client privilege? How is the president supposed to defend himself, or how is he supposed to be able to create a legal defense, if necessary, when his own lawyers are getting raided by the FBI? What happened to attorney-client privilege? Tracy Beans is going to be joining us at 7.30, so we're going to talk with her more about the latest news as this probe, this witch hunt, as the president calls it, is heating up. We also have a ton of news uh, as to what's going on in Syria. Many people are familiar with the uh, chemical attack that was launched, I think it was Friday, and there are a lot of questions about what happened here, if this is what is being reported, and what to do from here, what the President Trump and the Trump administration plans on doing. Now, the latest from RT, no trace of chemical weapons at alleged attack site in Doma, this from the Russian military, the Russian military has found no trace of chemical weapons use after searching parts of Syria's Doma allegedly targeted by an attack. Photos of victims posted by the White House, or I'm sorry, the White House, white helmets are fake. That according to Russia's defense ministry. Now you can go to RT and read the rest of this report, but to summarize what it says, the experts in the radiological, chemical, and biological warfare fields, as well as medics on Monday, inspected the site and other sites where they alleged a chemical attack took place, finding no evidence, not only that, no traces of any use of chemical agents. Now, what do we believe here? Do we believe our own lying mainstream media that has been time after time trying to get us into war in the Middle East, trying to escalate the situation in Syria? And is President Trump going to fall for the trap? Is he going to listen to his own words, things that he has said, in 2013, being critical of the Obama administration's response to uh, the gas attacks. And we've seen this pattern of behavior in Syria. 
last week or the week before, President Trump said he wanted to remove any and all U.S. forces from the area. Now, the Pentagon bounced back uh, just a few days ago and said that's not going to happen. But it seems like every time there is some kind of progress, we know there's a ceasefire over there, ISIS has almost been defeated, we see these attacks. Are we to believe that the Russian and pro-Assad forces that have been fighting the extreme Islamists, the ISIS, the Al-Qaeda's in Syria, and have them backed into a corner somehow or for some reason decided to uh, basically bring the whole international community down upon them for backlash when they're so close to the goals that they have been working for and set out from the beginning? Are we to believe that the, uh, the these rebels who said that they were the ones attacked have not tried in the past to create these same kind of false flags? Now, whether there was an attack or not, I have no idea. We're seeing, again, multiple conflicting reports. And who has provided us the evidence of an actual attack is very suspect. It is uh, something we're going to talk about more, these white helmets. But who do we believe? Do we believe the same war hawks, the Lindsey Grahams, the John McCains, who have been pushing to get us into war in Syria for years now? Do we believe the lying mainstream media who cheers every time something happens in the Middle East that might bring U.S. intervention? Do we believe the Russian government and their teams of, of scientists and whatnot who have said that they're not only this was not uh, conducted by them, but this might not have ever happened in the first place? Well, one thing that happened in response to this, U.S. officials confirm Israel hit Syria after suspected Gouda chemical attack. The strike came hours after a suspected deadly poison gas attack near Damascus. Now they're saying that up to 14 people were killed in the pre-dawn missile strike that came hours after this suspected poison gas attack. Now what are we going to see here moving forward? Is President Trump going to buy the bait and strike Syria? He's announced that within the next 24 to 48 hours he will be making an announcement and laying down plans as far as what his response is going to be. Now, we elected the president as a non-interventionalist. He has talked at length about unnecessary wars, unnecessary conflicts, and the U.S.'s involvement in these. And it would be going against his own campaign, his own promises, and really it should be his own ideology, if he were too long. We'll stop there as... uh Doug Hagman is on the line. He's coming in to join us just for a few minutes from while being on the road in D.C. Are you there? And can you hear me? Yeah, can you hear me okay? Yep, you sound good. All right, good. Yeah, I got some audio cutouts there. I got to tell you, a lot of stuff going on. Thanks for covering for Eric and I. Uh, Eric and myself, appreciate that. And also, you're pulling triple duty covering for John, who's out on the West Coast, uh, but but he's still... Um, uh, Showing up the um, the uh, some of the programming, but but thanks. So you've got the studio pretty much uh, to yourself. Uh, I, I got to ask you, how's it feel? How's it feel? Well, it's uh, it's kind of quiet, and and I'll tell you, there's nobody down here. All the lights are off. The only thing that has is illuminated are all the uh, the the equipment and the the computer screens. But it, it is nice. 
Yeah, and knobs and dials and buttons that, that I certainly am not allowed to be even close to. Well, okay, it's a busy news day. I just want to uh, check in because I, I am uh, calling from the belly of the beast, uh, from the swamp, just to kind of update everyone on a couple of things. And um, uh, this morning after my, my show, we, Eric and I, looked over for uh, D.C., got here early this afternoon, and have talked to a number of people. And I, I can tell you this. Um, since my show this morning, I had I had stated with with authority that that the attack, the chemical attack, did happen. Now, you had and let me ask you this: you had said something that no one can verify this, or at least RT is reporting that the attack did not happen. Is that what is that what I heard? Yeah, that's what RT is saying that they sent in teams, medical, uh, biological experts, and they've examined several sites and they have tested as much as they can and have found not only that they found no traces that any chemical weapons attack took place. All right. The reason I ask that, a couple of things. It's interesting to me because after, well, well during my during this transit here to D.C., I, I got contacted by two separate people from the military from D.C. As a matter of fact, met one earlier this afternoon. Uh, well, I'll just leave it at that. And the uh no no the individual I met was uh had a position of military intelligence said, you know, you, you, we're not even sure, um and this is off the record unofficial, not gonna verify anything, we're not even sure that an attack happened and the information going to President Donald Trump is uh I don't want to say tilted or slanted, but certainly questionable. So we have to really be very careful. But Donald Trump um uh, uh, in his news conference said he's going to respond. However, he's not going to say anything or make any statements until after uh, the American U.S. response, that is, to these attacks. So we have to watch it real carefully, I think. We're, we're watching World War Three or the potential of World War Three uh, shaping up. And by the way, the other uh, military contact I spoke to, and uh, this is something Matt Bracken had indicated as well, the blowback is not going to be uh, Russian bombers over the, over the ice cap and, you know, down bombing North America necessarily. Uh, it's going to first appear as a series of, uh, uh, mis, misattributed, uh, cyber attacks here in the United States. Uh, and, and that could do a lot of damage. And I would just urge everyone right now, at the very least, to make sure that they've got, uh, cash in their possession as opposed to, you know, 100% in the bank. So if you're listening to this, uh, because the cyber attacks could, could certainly do a lot to bring down the grid. Uh, and, and so just be very careful, I guess, is what I'm saying. Any thoughts on that, Joe? Well, obviously there's always, uh, you know, when we see these types of conflicts or, or tensions break out, um, it, it looks as though we're going to see some kind of elevated conflict. But you always, no matter what's going on in the world, you should always be prepared for some kind of emergency, whether localized or, or otherwise to where you have certain things in place that you don't have to worry about. That way, you know, you're, yeah. you're ahead of the game when those things do happen. Yeah, well, again, yeah, but please, if you're listening to this broadcast, you know, look, nothing might happen, uh, but but it's always best, as you said, Joe, it's always best to prepare. Make sure you've got some liquid uh, assets, you know, some cash, because cash will be king. Uh, especially if the grid goes down, if banks, if banks are hit by a cyber attack. And, and the CIA has been collecting, and this is just a, an anecdotal piece of information, that the CIA has been collecting Russian, Russian hacking information or information about Russian hackers, uh, actors. And, uh, again, mis, uh, misattribution uh, perhaps is, is a potential here. So just, just laying that out. Uh, I'm not going 
going to take up too much more of your time. I do want to mention, folks, tonight's uh, broadcast brought to you by ZipRecruiter, ZipRecruiter.com. Folks, are you hiring? Are you, do you have a business that are you hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. Uh, ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, they identify the people with the right experience, and they invite them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, some 80% of employers who post the job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day, and ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match, the right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Folks, here's here's what you need to do. If you own a business you're looking for, that perfect person for that very special position, businesses of all sizes, they trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, listeners to the Hagman Report can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. ZipRecruiter.com slash Hagman. ZipRecruiter, it's the smartest way to hire. And I just want to say thank you to all of the people who support our, our sponsors. This is how we um, impart that, and your support is really how we are able to do things. This is why and how I'm able to be in Washington. I don't want to take up more of your time, Joe, except to say this. Uh, for the folks wondering what I'm doing here. I do have one question for you when you're done. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, okay, just for the folks that are wondering um, what I'm doing here in Washington, again, a couple of meetings with uh, some uh, people today. I've got a, I've got an 8 o'clock meeting uh, tonight. Uh, Eric and I actually have a 9 o'clock p.m. meeting as well tonight. And then tomorrow morning uh, at 7 o'clock we are meeting um, uh, and I'm sorry, I can't really get into who we're meeting at seven. We're going to be at the National Press Club at um, 8:30 in the morning, in advance of Alex Jones's uh, Infowars their press conference that begins. I believe they're going to start streaming at 8:40. It's going to begin right around nine o'clock uh, with Alex Jones, is Roger Stone, Jack Posobiec, Lee Stranahan, and Dr. Jerome Corsi. Uh, our own Alicia Powell is going to be there as well, covering this event. When I say our own, of course, she's she's contributed to our program. Um, there are going to be some major, major, major announcements. This is in the fight against the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, but but it, primarily the fight to take away our voice through malicious litigation, through banning, through censorship. There, uh, trust me when I say this, ladies and gentlemen, we are answering this. Now, Alex Jones is, is, this is his event. I've got nothing to do. This is his event. event. I'm, Eric and I are here in support of his event. However, um, there is some overlap, which I, I won't, I'm not going to get into, but it's time to fight back. It is time to take our voices back. It is time to say we're not going to take this crap anymore. You want to, you want to sue us? You want to, you want to uh, talk bad about us? You want to censor us? Then we are going to fight. We are going to fight like you've never seen us fight. And here we are in the belly of the beast. I can smell the swamp from outside the, this window. And, and, uh, but, but we are going to answer every single charge, everything that comes at us. And the other half of this as well, you just look at this. The globalists are ramping up their uh, fight against President Donald Trump. Uh, Michael Cohen, his office, and it was raided by an apartment no-knock raid. 
who would do this except uh, this globalist, out of control globalist group who want to tear down and who have been in a constant state of coup since uh, before the election and most assuredly after the election. So we are answering a number of different things. I uh, also said that uh, during the Patreon uh, uh, meeting that we had, I, I do have the possibility, and it's just I basically confirmed here earlier, where we will be able to meet with a lower level member, I suppose, without getting into too, too much detail, of the Donald Trump administration. And we are going to be uh, uh, basically interviewing this individual, hopefully for uh, publication or for uh, information later on this week. But the bottom line is this. We're at war. We're about to go to war, uh, uh, the Third World War kind of thing. Um, we are at war here at home. Uh, Donald Trump needs to immediately jail the head of the FBI, in my view. Soros, Clinton, and the Bush family. These scumbags are, are trying to pull the, uh, the the coup that we're seeing. And, and yet nothing, nothing uh, about the Awan brothers. Nothing about the Hillary Clinton emails. Nothing about the issues that mean more than any of this crap. This is just, again, a soft coup against the American people. So a lot of stuff going on. I don't want to take your time up, but bottom line. In Washington, D.C., uh, folks, tune in tomorrow morning for the press conference uh, uh, at, oh, the, at the National morning? Press Club. It, yeah, tomorrow morning. It, it, I, I believe Alex will start streaming live at 8.40. Uh, okay, I don't that's know why the I thought that was tonight. Okay, so that's no, like, 8.40 a.m. A.m. Okay, AM. okay it's, it's the actual, yeah. I just wanted to ask you this, your opinion. You mentioned the Trump, Trump's lawyer. I just want to ask you, last week they announced he's not under criminal investigation, uh, and then they turn around and raid the lawyer's office. How can they get away with this, and how can the president expect to have attorney-client privilege with this kind of behavior, if at all? Well, if he can? yeah, you know, okay, and, and that's the issue here. Um, I had, okay, let me just grab a, uh, this email here uh, that explained this pretty well. Hold on just one second here. The um, How they can get away with it is the criminal, the suspicion of criminal acts would, would trump any kind of lawyer or attorney-client privilege. In other words, if the rating authority, in this case the FBI, would have reason to believe that rather than attorney-client they were co-conspirators in a criminal case, they could do this which is absolutely insane because you'll remember when Hillary Clinton met with the FBI and Heather Samuelson and um, um, I'm trying to remember the other woman's name that, that was there with her, Heather Samuelson and uh, Susan Wrights maybe or um, her yeah, other the lawyer. lawyer. Uh, okay. okay, regardless, the, the, the fact that she in the post-interview claimed attorney-client privilege shows you the degree, the depth of, of the actual criminality and out of control, uh, the, the, how far out of control this Mueller probe is. Uh, this is completely inappropriate, unnecessary. The search does not appear to be directly related to Donald Trump, uh, to Mr. Mueller's investigation, but most likely resulted from information he had uncovered and gave to prosecutors in New York and this is bizarre. So, um, and by the way, I would look closely at the attorney for Michael Cohen, Stephen Ryan. They, they released the statement uh, with respect to the uh, the raid itself. The, uh, the the FBI agents seized the privileged communications between Michael Cohen and, uh, or between, um, I'm sorry, yes, that's right, between Michael Cohen and uh, President Donald Trump, and all and more of his clients. And 
Robert Mueller. So all that to say this, this is just the deep state swamp blowback against the sitting American president while uh, the globalists like Soros, Clinton, and others just get away with this crap. And we're here, by the way, we're here in Washington, D.C. We are going to be making some, um, well, I'm I'm not going to speak beyond this except to say we can make a difference and we will make a difference. And thanks for all the support from the Hagman um, Report listeners, the Patreon members, the people who support us via PayPal. We could not do this without you, but we can make a difference. And in the next couple of days, you're going to be hearing some absolutely amazing things from this trip from the contacts we've made, and also I do suspect uh, from the uh, White Hats and the Trump administration as we get closer. By the way, they had to do this because of the impending uh, uh, incremental release of the IG's report that's coming up. Okay. <clears throat> well, we so, have, uh, hopefully, hopefully I didn't well, talk too fast or whatever, but uh, I want to get all that in. So I want to take no, your time up. No, it's good, and uh, thanks for, for calling in. And um, we will maybe be hearing from you in the next few days. Otherwise, here in the studio solo, and it's uh, it's nice and quiet. So you guys uh, have a productive trip, and we'll speak with you later. It's going to be a busy night, busy next couple of days. Uh, God, uh, God bless everyone listening, and thank you so much for your support, Joe. Thank you for your help. And, uh, John, wherever you're at listening, uh, I hope you're doing well. And we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll be checking in with you uh, probably tomorrow during the show and also off air. So thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. All right. All right, that was uh, Doug and Eric, Tech Eric from Washington, D.C., as they're, uh, again, doing a number of things there, and, and you'll see the uh, the fruits of their trip in not only when they return, but in the weeks and months that follow. I want to, real quick here in, in the last five minutes before the break, uh, we have some uh, more news, I guess, on the... Attorney Trump attorney Michael Cohen is being investigated for possible bank fraud campaign finance violations, according to sources. This, again, take it with a grain of salt, as it is from the Washington Post and anonymous sources. It goes on to say that Michael Cohen, the longtime attorney of President Trump, is under federal investigation for possible bank fraud, wire fraud, campaign finance violations, according to a person with knowledge of the case or an anonymous source. FBI agents on Monday raided Cohen's Manhattan office, home, and hotel room as part of the investigation, seizing records about Cohen's clients and personal finances. Among the records seized were those related to a 2016 payment Cohen made, Cohen made to then or to adult film star Stormy Daniels, who claims to have had a sexual encounter with President Trump or former uh, Trump before he was president, according to another person familiar with the investigations. Investigators took Cohen's computer, his phone, his personal finance records as part of the search conducted at his office at Rockefeller Center. So is this, uh, again, as we talked about, they announced last week that the president is not under criminal investigation. Is this, uh, you know, an end around in trying to uh, create a crime and doing so by going after all the people around the president saying he's not under criminal investigation now, but, you know, look what we found. This is, uh, you know, really going to open it up. That's what I expect to see here. But Trump has blasted the uh, latest move by Mueller and the FBI, called it a disgraceful situation. And uh, this is from Axios. You can get this report off the Drudge Report. And this is going to really intensify this debate upon what Mueller is, is set out to do, which is they've already the left has already convinced themselves that the president was guilty of a crime. They have spent the last year and a half 
attempting to create a case in order to fit that belief, with no evidence, nothing being presented as factual evidence that President or candidate Trump did anything wrong, let alone colluded or meddled with Russia, here we are, again, a year and a half later, and lawyers' offices are getting raided, and the headline on Drudge Probe expands. We don't even have a special counsel for the crimes that we can prove right this second, not only from the Hillary Clinton campaign and her connection with the DNC, rigging a primary, attempting to rig an election, and not even to mention the classified email scandal, no special counsel to investigate the misuse or abuse of the FISA surveillance court by the FBI, by the DOJ, no investigation into this whole corrupt, politicized law enforcement, Washington, D.C. law enforcement, federal law enforcement, and all their misuses of power from the unmasking to uh, everything else. No special counsels. But here, you know, you have a few people that believe that President Trump or, or Russia, first it was Russia hacked the elections, then it was Russia meddled in the election, then it's, you know, Russian influence, and on and on and on. There has been nothing. But we continue to see this push against the president. And uh, as some people are already reacting, saying they're going after President Trump for what they got Clinton with. And that is a a piece up on Drudge Report also. But we're going to talk with Tracy Beans coming up to get her thoughts on this latest uh, move by the Mueller investigation, as well as uh, she just got done meeting President Trump and had her her rally over the weekend. So we're going to get an update from her on that. Also, Peter Chalk is going to be joining us in the third hour. He's got several pieces up on Hagman Report. One that is very important, talking about what is happening in California. His piece, California Democrat Pushes New Law to Gut First Amendment. And the uh, Gateway Pundit has a piece up by Jim Hoft also. It begins, California Senator Introduces Bill to Kill Free Speech Requires State-Sanctioned Fact-Checkers to Reprove online content. Yeah, you heard that right. State-sanctioned fact-checkers to approve online content. This is the way of the left, and it's crazy, uh, because they're going to, one way or another, in five years, 20 years, they're going to uh, have this, or at least think they have it. We're going to be turned into what we see so often uh, anymore in Europe with the hate speech laws and everything else, designed only to come after their political opponents. But again, we're going to hear more from Peter Chalka on what's happening in California and his take on the media in Syria and what a disservice the mainstream media is doing by lying to the American people. When we come back, Tracy Beans will be our guest, so don't go anywhere. back everybody to this monday april 9th edition of the hagman report joe hagman here and we got a great guest lined up for you tracy beans is joining us and we're gonna jump it right in with her and i i want to uh 
hit this one piece on Syria first, and then with, with Tracy we'll bring her on and see where she wants to go. But this is uh, the latest from the United States Ambassador Nikki Haley. And the, they had a United Nations Security Council meeting. So U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley said during an emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Council on Monday that the U.S. would retaliate against the attack in Syria regardless of what the United Nations Security Council decides. History will record this is the moment when the Security Council either discharged its duty or demonstrated its utter and complete failure to protect the people of Syria. Either way, the United States will respond. And, I mean, these people already have it in their head. It's already settled, apparently, that Assad is responsible for this you know, chemical attack. And, again, I'll go back to this RT report. No trace of chemical weapons at alleged attack site in Duma. This is according to the Russian military, who have said that they have found no traces of the use of chemical agent after searching multiple sites and doing all the, uh, the the tests that one would do to find out. So who do we believe? Do we believe the lying mainstream media who has constantly, constantly backed the United States' stance on war, regardless if those reasons were true or not, or if those statements that they used to back those wars were lies or not? We have seen this time and time again, and we've seen the same pattern. Every time it seems that things are, are settling down in Syria, that ISIS will be defeated, that the U.S. will withdraw troops. Boom, another gas attack that no evidence is presented, yet all the blame is thrown at the feet of Assad, and now the war hawks and warmongers are demanding action. It is too good to be true, if I were to put my own personal opinion out there on this. But with that, we have Tracy Beans with us. Uh, Tracy, you were just in Washington, D.C. You had an interesting weekend. I did. Thanks for having me on. It's How you doing? Holding you. it down. Thanks. Holding it down all by yourself. Little yeah, it's little real, uh It's nice. Eric, Tech Eric and my my father in DC, John is on the other side of the country, so I'm in the studio literally. It's I have the lights off and uh just sitting here with the mic and having some fun. So it's I'm glad you came on, Tracy. That's fantastic. I love it. Um, my weekend was incredible, and uh, I will warn you that I'm just getting caught up, so I might not be as sharp and on point as I usually am, um, especially when it comes to some of these things that are going on. But the weekend was a store like a storybook. It was it was really amazing. Um, we missed you, but the march went off really, really well. For the weather, it was really well attended. I would say probably I don't know between 200 and 300 people or so. Um, all of whom came from all over the country to be there. It was actually the local people that really didn't make it. Yeah, it was it was great. It was great. Um, and then I got to meet President Trump, which was something I did not expect and was absolutely wonderful. Well, that's good. And, and if you don't mind, uh, maybe share a little bit with our audience uh, <clears throat> what what that was like, what you uh, may have had a chance to talk to him about or uh, what you gained from that conversation. Yeah, I had um I had dinner reservations at uh Trump International for Saturday evening and I ended up having to cancel them. I switched them at the very last second. And if I would have kept them, I probably would have been up there eating at the same time. They were for eight o'clock and it would have been uh it would have been right around the same time as he was up there eating. So that would have been amazing. But um we ended up doing we canceled we canceled those reservations. We went Friday night instead and then Saturday. We had like a little after party at a local bar and 
somebody that I was there with um, that I'd met along the way decided that they were going to go to Trump International. And I was like, well, just scope it out for me. Let me know how busy it is because I wanted to take my friend Frank there so that he could see it because it's absolutely amazing. The place is just wonderful. Um, and she called me maybe a half hour later and she was like, you have to get over here right now, but it's going to probably be really hard to get in. Donald Trump is having dinner. And so I jumped in an Uber like immediately um rushed over there was able to get in and then was able to somehow make my way into the restaurant bar um and and that that's the most magical part of this whole thing because i don't know how we were able to get in there um without any reservation or anything <laughs> but we did and so we were in there and we were hanging out and i decided i was going to periscope the in- the entire thing so i was holding my phone up in front of me for about an hour periscoping the stairs and then he came down, he walked over to us, shook hands. He was really, really, really um, gracious with us. Melania is more beautiful in person than even in photographs. Um, she has this radiance about her, this poise. It's hard to explain. Um, and they they hung out with us, you know, didn't say anything to us, just thank you, thank you. And then they went out into the main lobby and... He kind of played it up for the crowd a little bit. I think he signed a hat and threw it back into the crowd. And then he left. And that was the end of my magical evening. It was really crazy. Well, that sounds like a, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It sounds like a lot of fun. Now, let me ask you this. The the atmosphere in the restaurant where you guys were at, they were, it, it seems like uh, you don't see what you see on the news or all the, you know, anybody who has a trump hat on gets assaulted or stuff like that they were it was a good atmosphere no no issues no problem no issues no problem and you want to know the funny thing too is that we had gone to several different establishments throughout the weekend like from thursday onward and we had had little fireside chats with people there are a ton of conservatives in dc who are very vocal as of late and we had great conversations with them um we, I did not run into, I personally did not run into a, an angry leftist person. The one thing that's interesting is that when we got there on Thursday, the new, the televisions in the, uh, in the hotel at Trump, they were playing Fox and CNN. And a friend of mine walked up and asked the bartender, how come there's CNN on, on the television? I don't understand. And she said, we're instructed to leave CNN on all the time along with Fox. So they're they're playing to both sides, you know. It's, it is interesting. I guess he's running it like a business, right? So there you go. Well, that's a that's a, a great story and it's uh my dad wanted me to apologize that we could not be there uh, with you in Washington DC even though he's there today. Uh but we we do apologize that we couldn't we couldn't ourselves make it. But uh no, it sounds like it was a an awesome event. Now has uh the success of this one Lead, lead you to thoughts about uh, doing something similar in the future? Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, a lot of people are asking us to do it when it's warmer. So I'm tossing some ideas around um, about doing another one, maybe closer to midterms. I know that's right around the corner and everything, but everybody wants to get out now that they saw how this went. I think people are afraid to kind of pull the trigger when it's a first, um, and then after they see it, they're like, oh, i got to be there next time type deal. Um, we're definitely going to do it again, though, for sure. That they cordoned off the streets for us. The MPD was like overly accommodating. It was, it was 
almost like we were in the twilight zone. Like they were, do you guys want coffee? There's coffee here. <laughs> Take your time. Whenever you're ready, let us know. Just don't stand on the sidewalk because that's not our jurisdiction. Let, do you want us to block the streets off? Do you want an escort? Do you want to walk on the sidewalk? I mean, it was like they were, they were just wonderful. It was just a great day, like all, all around. Well, that, that's awesome to hear, Tracy. And, uh, definitely, I, I know people are getting antsy, especially with this, uh, up here in the Northeast, the long winter, what we've been yeah. having. And so many people are, are ready to uh, break out of that and get, get their spring and, and summer, um, stuff going. And, and, uh, that's always a lot of fun to get out to meet people and to, uh, especially like you said, you got to meet the president. And that is awesome. And still can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I, I want to ask you this, Tracy. Have you seen the latest today on what Robert Mueller has done by raiding yes. the offices of Michael Cohen? Yes. What are your initial thoughts on this? My initial thoughts are that I'm not at all surprised. Um, okay. Not at all surprised. Actually, I'm, I'm, people are freaking out about it, and I understand that completely, but I'm asking, you know, I'm just kind of basically, I just started researching this, so bear with me again. But, you know, Cohen, I mentioned, I think on even your show a few weeks ago, Michael Cohen is tied to, to Felix Sater. And Felix Sater is not necessarily a friend. And neither is Michael Cohen. And I said it kind of with my teeth clenched because I was like, oh, God, people are going to hate me for saying that I'm not really trusting of Michael Cohen. But I, I said it because I started doing all this research into Sater. And this is like, the Papadopoulos emails were, and I know that, you know, you, I don't think that anybody really disputes at this point that Papadopoulos was a plant. Um, but this is like the Papadopoulos emails where Sater emails Cohen and says, I'm going to get our boy in with Putin. Like, who does that? Right. Who, you know, it was just overt ridiculousness. And there's a lot more about Cohen from the past that people should know. I don't know when Donald Trump stopped working about, with Cohen, but if you read the, um, if you read what what happened, what came out, um, special counsel referred to the MS uh, to the FBI, right? Um, hold on, I'm looking for it. I had it. I had it up. Um, but basically, the, the, Mueller apparently referred Cohen, referred this to the FBI so that they could investigate Michael Cohen. Um, and if it had anything to do with the Stormy Daniels thing, they threw that in. I think if you look at the way the articles are written, more for Impact. I don't think that's the focus by any stretch okay. of the imagination. Um, I, now, we heard you, last week we heard that the president was not under any criminal yeah. investigation. Do yep. you see this as an end round to, uh, well, you know, maybe if we find some uh, some dealings between the lawyer and, and the president or even any privileged information that might have been uh, gathered in this raid, do you think that that is an angle that they're playing, attempting to? Uh, get Trump from a, this by expanding the probe into his lawyer? Honestly, it, my gut instinct and what I know so far says no. I don't think so at all, actually. And people call me crazy. They will. I know it. But that's okay. I'm going to show everybody why with information as soon as I'm done researching this. Um, I don't think so. I, I Listen, just look at the landscape of what's happening right now, how many different tangents we have going on at the same time. 
We know that there is a criminal investigation involved in the inspector general. Everybody's freaking out that it didn't get released. They're releasing it in parts. There was some information that came out today. They're threatening impeachment on Rod Rosenstein. We've got a war going, you know, war looming in Syria. We have all kinds of craziness going on. And then we've got the media coming out with their spin on this Cohen raid. I didn't get to read Mueller's statement on it, but take everything and separate it and put it next to one another and then look into every story independently and then kind of try and scheme out what might be happening here. That's my, my, that's my recommendation. Okay. Well, it, you know, it is interesting that, um, this probe doesn't, th- th- there's no limit on what apparently Robert Mueller can do. Uh, this started out as we talked about. First they said it was Russian hacking. Then they said it was Trump Russia collusion. And with no evidence, they launched this uh, special prosecutor to look yeah. into the meddling. Now we've seen, uh, you know, the, the Manafort and other people who've been indicted on things that had nothing to do with anything, even Trump campaign related. And now they're expanding the probe to the lawyers, leaving even uh, Judge Napolitano to say that he believes that there is no limit on this Trump probe and anything is uh, game. But let me ask you this, Tracy. Do you think that the president saying he was not aware of the non-disclosure agreement and payment to Stormy Daniels open this up or this was already do you think this was already heading in this direction well i think i know the answer to that based on what you said already <laughs> Yeah, I think it was already heading in this direction. I think that the tell to that is that Deripaska was mentioned in the Mueller team's answer to his, like, basically, cease and desist, you can't charge me because this is outside of the scope. Um, Okay. You know, they had an answer. They answered it, and they said, we're also investigating him on his ties to Deripaska. And so when that sentence came out, I was like, okay, that's another big clue right there. Look, this is one or two things are going to happen at this point. Either Mueller's going to have to come out and indict somebody for something that makes our sort of, well, my theory, I know you don't believe this at all, and neither does, um, does, uh, Doug, but somebody's going to have to, it's something's got to give at this point because it's getting crazy. So they have to show their hands very soon, whatever way they're going. And if, if, I don't know what happens if Rosenstein does get impeached. And somebody takes, who takes his place? Do you know who it is? No, I, I don't. I don't. Do they just promote the next, is it the next seat below? Or yeah, it would be. Okay. I just don't know who that is. Well, they, um, I know it was a woman who, uh, there was controversy over her stepping down because she said that she didn't want to get dragged into this and apparently was misquoted. That was a few months ago. But I have not hmm. seen who that replacement would be. But we'll, we'll look into that. Yeah, because that's going to be the person to take over the Mueller pro- probe. If, if Rosenstein is ousted for some reason. And I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a big, uh, Rosenstein fan either, so I, I'm 50-50 on him. Um. Yeah, I, I don't like him. Uh, I don't like him myself. I don't trust him. Not after everything we've seen, um, from the Hillary Clinton email investigation and, and moving forward. And I'm sure there's lots of things we can, uh, look back in his past about as well. But I, I don't yeah. trust any of these people. Uh, they, they are, uh, we, we've seen this too often. It, I just feel that this is a, an attack on the president, more importantly on his supporters. They are still angry about the loss of the rigged election for Hillary Clinton. And they never thought they would have, they would be in this position in the first place because all this was supposed to be covered up. 
and it looks to me that Mueller is continuing to dig deeper and deeper in order to find a crime. And as I said in the beginning, they decided President Trump was a, a criminal yep. before w- without any evidence, and they, they are trying to build a case based on that belief, and that's what they're working toward, it seems like to me. If Mueller is doing that, like like you're saying, then I would agree with you. You can't investigate a person. You have to investigate a crime because, you know, everybody's committed a crime. Like every single person on the face of the earth have committed, has committed some sort of a crime. And if you dig, you, you know, the, our justice system doesn't work that way. You don't investigate a person to find a crime. <laughs> That's just not how it's supposed right. to go. So, you know, if, if, if I'm wrong about my speculation on, on the Mueller team and what they're doing, then, you know, the thing is everybody's like... I'm tired of everybody telling us just to be patient and be calm and wait, and I get that completely. But what are we supposed to be doing outside of what we're doing right now? Like, what else are we to do? We don't control this investigation. I don't know what people want to do. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, Um, I mean, we can bring awareness. Uh, We can continue to uh, do research and and promote our our findings. We continue mm -hmm. to talk about it to bring awareness. but. I mean, outside of that, we don't have any power to make things happen, uh, aside from what we can change in our own realm. And we, we surely, we, and if enough of us got together, we could all go to DC and demand justice, but we don't have we, that. We right tried now, to so. do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just Saturday. I mean, what can you do? What can you do? You're, yeah. You're doing I mean, it. I, you, you know, like, I don't know what else, um, what else that people think that they can do to, to, to stop or change or whatever. Yeah, we can get loud, but I think that we need to look at everything in perspective and just kind of, it's a tough situation. Well, Tracy, let me ask you this. We we have, uh, what, about eight, nine minutes left in this interview. The mm-hmm. Syrian chemical weapons attack, there has been, uh, I've, I've spent the majority of my day, at least when looking in, into um, news and, and whatnot, on this Syria latest chemical attack and to me this fits a pattern that we've seen even since the obama administration was in power where if if i'm this is what for my own research what i believe happened the rebels either faked the gas attack or they launched a gas attack on their own civilian population i don't think the assad forces or russian forces had anything whatsoever to do with this it would be insanity for them to to do something like this when they are so close to their goals, when they are moving and, and regaining rebel strongholds left and right, this sets them back. Uh, you can't even measure how, how much. And do you believe that the president is going to buy into this, we need to retaliate against Syria? Or is he going to listen to maybe his own words where he's said, you know, from 2012, 2013, 2015, about buying into this lie that the Obama administration was buying into? How do you see the president walking uh, his reaction to this what do you think what are we going to see here in the future you know i i i'm never shy about admitting where my 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 um my weaknesses are and foreign policy discussion is one of them um i agree with you on it being ridiculous that assad would actually do this it doesn't make any sense usually when something doesn't make any sense it's for a reason, but I, I I don't know what what kind of plan there could be. I mean, he was just about to to pull us out of there, right? Right, right. And then I, it doesn't make any sense for them to to do something like this. Just like it doesn't make sense that the Russians poisoned that guy in uh, in London. Um, 
I don't know what's happening, Joe, in terms of the stuff going on around the world, and uh, I, I don't know how much I can add to what you've said, sadly. Yeah, and I understand that because, and you know, foreign policy. I think this is an area where the president is. Uh, how do I say? That? He, he's not as strong, maybe as at least with his his understanding of everything as uh, we we'd like him to be. And what really troubles me about this is he seems to have gotten it right in the past, at least calling uh, you know these these attacks without evidence, uh, the the reaction by attacking Syria or or sending more forces into Syria. He seems to understand what his base wants, and he seems to also understand the lies that they have uh, perpetrated against Assad in order to try to overthrow him. Now, my only question is, is he put in a position where he is forced to act, that mm-hmm. the decision's already been made, he just gets to have his, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe uh, multiple choice, you know, we're gonna, we can do A, B, or C, you gotta pick one of these, and, and or, or we're gonna do all three, something like that. I don't know, but I hope... I, I just don't like what I see coming from his his tweets and that the, the U.S. will respond. I don't know, what it, that especially means. as we said. Right. I, we don't know what that means. And it, when he's talking about two weeks ago removing the rest of the troops from Syria and then the Pentagon a week later comes out and says, no, that that's not going to happen. And then we see something like this happen. Um, it could, uh, he, he could alienate his base uh, with the wrong move here. That's one thing that I do worry about. I agree. You know, it, it. I think we've seen time and time again that Trump is not a dumb man. He knows what he's doing, and he knows how to play things publicly in a certain way. Um, he does it all the time. I, I, we need more time. If they just, I am never for war in a country. Um, you know, I'm a non-interventionalist. I, I just. I don't like that. And like you said, alienating his base, I think this might do it. They're going to have to do better because, you know, one of the one of the consequences of us waking up and understanding what's going on around us is that we can smell this BS from a mile away now. So the propaganda from the MSM doesn't really work on people anymore. So there's got to have to be more transparency and more truth going on for people. Um, I see a 50-50 split. I was surfing through Twitter earlier, and people are 50-50 on what's actually happening here. So I think we'll know in 24 to 48 hours, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we will. Uh, just real quick here in the, in the last few minutes we got, hey, Tracy, I don't know, you probably haven't seen this. And uh, this just is an example of what we've seen so often in the media. Uh, there was a piece on uh, this weekend on MSNBC on Joy Reid where she laid out a conspiracy theory that talked about a scenario which President Trump would refuse a subpoena and then need to be ta- detained by U.S. Marshals uh, for up to 18 months while he's a sitting president. Me? No, I, you got it. Okay, you got to watch this when you get a chance. Um, you can go to newsbusters.org or Real Clear Politics on the video section. It's there. But they you know, go through I... this five minutes of this fantasy land of how you know the they how they would uh, enforce the arrest on the president who. Didn't you know? If this happens and this happens, you know we have to have the Secret Service stand down, and the U.S. Marshals will go in, and they'll place him here. He'll be at this detention facility, and on and on and on. It's like these people uh, have already written the book about it. It's pretty crazy. Oh my gosh! Wow, that's nuts. I actually dissected somebody's thread on Robert Mueller the other day um, on YouTube. It was pretty crazy. It was just like a, a completely different world. Mm-hmm. Than what we're living in, and and they believe their stuff as strongly as we believe our stuff, but that's crazy. 
Um, yeah. I also want to point out, I'm reading the chat right now as we're going along here. I don't think that Cohen has been Donald Trump's attorney for quite some time now. Is that correct? I don't know. I, you know, I saw Cohen come in um, after there was a, a few moves on on the president's uh, legal team, and he brought Cohen in, and then a few of the other uh, lawyers dropped off. I believe that was just in the last four or five months that he came on. But he was uh, his personal attorney in the Before past, that. and apparently uh, dating back to this Stormy Daniels incident, maybe longer. Yeah, they've been they've been kind of a lawyer. Yeah, definitely. I gotta look into this. It's bothering me. I'm gonna be up all night now. <laughs> well, when when you uh, do when you complete your research and, and get a a better idea, we'll definitely bring you back on to talk about it. And I have to do my own research into uh, Cohen. You know, a lot of people like this who surround Trump, I never even get a chance to look into. You know, there's so much going on all the time. But this is an important story. And how much of this lawyer's alleged criminality, if there is any, uh, overlaps into his client Donald Trump and President Trump is he aware of any of this I mean that's what they're going to be looking for and I just have a, I have a bad feeling about this not for the president but just for the uh, our country in general as the yeah, it's, it's it's not helpful for the country at all. I mean, this is craziness. The whole situation is horrible for the country. But guess what? The people that started this situation are the ones that didn't want to lose their grasp and power over us, and they're losing it. So obviously they're crapping their pants. You know what's interesting to me, real quick, I know we have to go, but um, Comey's book is coming out in a couple of days, and we've got Lynch out there saying, I never told him to say it was a matter. Uh, I'm interested to see what's in this book. I really want yeah. to see it. The White the White House says we're not gonna we're not gonna you know do anything about this book. Wouldn't it be crazy if this book is like not about how horrible Donald Trump is and it's a tell all about everyone else? Yeah, I don't see that happening. Comey seems too loyal to his uh, uh, progressive followers. But you know, this book I could it's like the the Michael Wolf book. There there are books that if I never hear a, a snippet of what's inside of it. Uh, I'll be better off. And I think yeah. this is one of those books, except for, you know, how he might be, cha- as it's saying here on, on uh, Drudge, that he's changed his story about the uh, what really transpired. And that might be what they're alluding to is what you said about saying it was a matter or not. Either way, we're never going to get the truth from these books. These books are sensationalized to, you know, just promote them. And, and this is their last, you know, uh, grasp at their 15 minutes of fame before yeah. they walk off into the sunset. So, but Tracy, we have reached the end of the interview. I want to thank you so much and congratulations on, on a fantastic and successful weekend. And, uh, we look forward to hopefully getting together with you in the future. Very soon. Thank you so much for having me. All right. When we come back, we're going to be joined by a guest who's been on several times, but it's been a while since we've had him on. That is Michael Terrell from Whole Tones. And then we're going to be taken out by Peter Barry Chowka. we got so much to get into. He's got a few new articles up on Hagman Report, so don't go anywhere. We're just getting started.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Hour 2 of this Monday, April 9th edition of the Hagman Report. Joe Hagman here. I'm flying solo, not only today, but tomorrow and Wednesday as well. Well, Tech Eric and my father Doug are in Washington, D.C., getting a lot accomplished. Um, I want to just touch on this real quick, and then we're going to go to our guest. Go to HagmanReport.com. There you can check out all the original pieces under exclusive reports, and then under the ticker where the the uh, images uh, circulate, there's a, a tab in other news, and that's where I post the curated content each day. And uh, we, we'll talk about this a little bit later with Peter Chowka, but London's mayor declares intense new knife control policies to stop epidemic of stabbings. And we've talked about what has happened in London with this huge increase in knife attacks as well as acid attacks. And they've gotten so bad that the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, is now announcing a new knife control. New knife control policies designed to keep those weapons of war out of the hands of Londoners looking to cause others harm. Ugh, the insanity. Where does this stop? Who knows? But again, you can see that in other reports there on HagmanReport.com. We have our guest with us, uh, Michael Terrell. He is the founder of a product called Whole Tones, and he's been a sponsor of our show in the past, and we've had him on a number of times to talk about his product and how this works and uh, everything in between. Uh, Michael, it's great to have you back on the show. I want to kind of read... I want to reintroduce you to our to our audience. Why don't you uh, give a little introduction to our audience and uh, an introduction into your company as well? Absolutely. Well, my name is Michael Terrell, and I am the creator of Whole Tones, the Frequency Healing Music Project. I've been on this show, I think, three times now, and uh, love the Hagmans. I love their message. I love their passion. And uh, Whole Tones, for those of you that have never heard about me before or heard about the music before, is certain embedded frequencies that were discovered in Israel thousands of years ago that I brought back to life again and embedded them in some music that's tuned different that makes an outstanding um, addition to anybody's home. It has amazing, um, well, we're not allowed to say it has amazing healing powers, but I let everyone else say that my, my, for, for me instead. But um, overall, Whole Tones Healing Frequency Music is music that has frequencies embedded in it that can help everything from insomnia to your pets having uh, separation anxiety, being afraid of thunder. I was just on the uh, on the truth about cancer, which was the truth about um, uh, cancer in pets last night uh, on episode five, and we talked all about um, some of the amazing things that have been happening using these whole tones frequencies with our furry friends. Well, that that's awesome, and. Uh, whole tones. We've had their listen to the the music that they have created, and uh, th- this is just an awesome thing. We, you know, so often when we talk about health, we always think in terms of you know, okay, what medicines do we need to be on? Uh, you know, either to medicate it, and uh, we always talk about, especially with Dr. Ted Brewer, how all these medicines there's never there never seems to be any cure. The only cure, or the closest thing to a cure, anybody gets is to stay medicated for the rest of their life. And that can be very tricky, especially with, you know, some of the narcotics and other heavy substances that are in some of these medications. But you found a, a new way to look at uh, illness, disease, sickness, uh, you know, any kind of wound. And, and I want to talk, get into this, you know, from the physical to the mental and emotional health. Frequencies. How do frequencies 
work in our world? How do they affect us? That's a great question, Joe. Um, I think the first thing to do is demystify the word frequency, which is um, what we would call energy or how many times a, a body vibrates, you know, per second. We measure that in hertz, okay? So hertz was just the last name of the guy that discovered um, how frequencies work and could measure them. Um, one of the things I love to tell people about is if if you've ever read the Bible, the very first statement about the creation of the world, let there be light. Light is a frequency. In your studio, uh, in my office, where I am in Florida right now, these incandescent bulbs are the bulbs that are, they, they operate at a precise frequency. And that frequency is in the, the realm of what we would call light. But in the same way, our words, everything that we say, every thought that we have, um, our ability to connect tonight through the Internet, our ability tonight to be able to have a conversation where I speak and you listen and you speak and I listen, all of these things would be impossible uh, without frequency. And I found it fascinating that in the book of Genesis, when God said, let there be light, he was using what? His voice, the frequency of God's voice that fills everything that there is. The closest thing in the world, they say, is, uh, is Niagara Falls, as far as filling the sonic spectrum of sound. God speaks one time and says, let there be light. And his voice itself absolutely exhausts the audio realm and moves into the realm of light. So his very word, when he speaks, everything, all creatures, all creation, subatomic particles, atomic particles, um, every everything that has been created hears his voice, and light is the manifestation of his voice. And the beautiful part of it is when the word says that he comes in an unapproachable white light, the word also says that his voice is like the sound of many waters. So frequency is simply our ability to be able to use, interestingly enough, our vocal cords, which vibrate, of course, um, to be able to communicate with one another and how frequency affects us. It's another wonderful topic. Yeah, it, it is, uh, Michael. And how frequency affects us is really uh, what led you to, uh, you know, the, uh, well, if you play these frequencies, this can have some kind of healing or, or positive effect. But before we go down the, that road, there's a lot of yeah. questions into things like uh, smart meters or uh, the 5G technology yep. that we see being rolled out. And yep. if there is such thing as positive uh, frequencies or frequencies that can create positive uh, feedback or, or positive effects in your body, in your mind, or in your spirit, then there has to also be a such thing as negative frequencies Absolutely. or things that impact you and, and uh, don't do so in a positive way. Um, is that what we're dealing with here when we're talking about these things like the 5G and these other technologies, or is there more to it than, than just the the frequencies? Well, no, I, I think you, you hit it on the head, uh, Joe. I think the problem, you know, first of all, what we talk about is EMF, uh, electromagnetic frequency, and, and unfortunately, um, most of the, the newest technology operates with some level of EMFs. I have been working uh, extremely hard to make sure that the newer generation of Holtones uh, products, even the battery ones that have batteries, do not have do not emit EMF. That's some of the things we deal with with um, with uh, cell phones, as you know, as you mentioned, or Wi-Fi, um, 5G, or how about HARP? Do we dare yeah. say that? Um, all of these things are unfortunately. Um, I think that it's it's like some of it is is something that's being created that people believe they have a breakthrough because of technology. Another thing I think is the nefarious use 
of frequencies because we know that um, life and death, what? It, it vibrates. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can use frequencies to heal the world or you can use frequencies to destroy it. You can use uh, frequencies to bring life to a man or you can use frequencies to kill a man. Um, so everything you're talking about is absolutely 100% accurate. There's um, been uh, an amazing, in fact, I just was involved in one of studies of how you can actually uh, clean your house from a, a large uh, a bit of uh, EMF. Uh, it's pretty simple, actually. And the other interesting thing is whole tones. When you play whole tones in your house, it masks a lot of those negative frequencies, which is a really wonderful thing. It works almost like a shield. Well, that, that's awesome. And uh, why don't we do this real quick? Uh, while we have this time, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you on the web and um, where to go to listen or sample uh, some of what you have put together? Well, they can go to a couple places right off the bat, Joe. They can go to Whole Tones, that's W-H-O-L-E-T-O-N-E-S dot com. Or they can visit Whole Tones Music dot com, which is W-H-O-L-E-M-A uh, I mean, T-O-N-E-S, music, M-U-S-I-C dot com. So it's wholetones.com or wholetonesmusic.com, and it's also available on Amazon as well. Okay, <clears throat> and that's great. I'm going to mark that down here. I want to ask you this. Um, we, in times past, we've had you on the show, and you've, uh, we've had, you know, people who've used the whole tones who've, uh, called in or, or given their, their feedback. What are some of the, uh, from people who use whole tones and have seen a, a positive effect, what are some of the things that they have said that, um, really makes you happy and glad that you have put this together? Well, what's exciting is I think we just came to right around the 100,000 testimonial mark a couple of weeks ago, Joe. And so, um, it's a loaded question because so many things make me happy. And every morning when I get up, one of the first things I do after I get uh, my coffee is get a box of Kleenex. And because it's not just, you know, the typical bill of fare. You have things like uh, I have one a lady that said that her cat uh, was diagnosed with feline leukemia, and the cat was 14 years old. And she bought the whole tone set and started playing it, and the cat walked across the room and laid down in front of one of the speakers, and every time she would turn the music off, the cat would pace back and forth between the speakers. And the last time the cat had a checkup, and that's been uh, almost a year now, the cat still got a clean bill of health and is still with us. So pretty wow. exciting. Then when it comes into the realm of, of you know everything from PTSD, TBIs, I get some of the most unbelievable, wonderful things from people that have, you know, not not saying that we are have a cure for anything. I'm not making claims. I'm just saying that a lot of people have purchased the Whole Tones frequency music set and have found that things in their life they've been dealing with with for a long time have suddenly uh, disappeared. Even some really crazy um, disease and some other really crazy things that I, I read even this week. Just some absolutely amazing uh, testimonies. One of them was from a nurse, Joe, who. Uh, had rheumatoid arthritis, and this was really funny um, because you could tell that she was really a straight shooter, and um, she emailed me and said, Mr. Terrell, I want to let you know that I don't believe in this kind of stuff, and I'm a registered nurse in Tampa, and I had rheumatoid arthritis, but somebody sent me a link to your um, samples on the website, and I listened to one of them one time, and she said that was six months ago, and I've been absolutely free from rheumatoid arthritis, from which I'm sure you know there's no cure. So... Yeah, that's that's where I live. That's what I get to hear every day. Amazing, you know, biblical proportion stuff that happens 
to God's wonderful people. And God heals today. Amen to that. So, uh, Michael, let me ask you this. We've seen and heard, uh, we've heard people from people, our own listeners, who have used your products uh, and just had these, these positive effects. Not only are we talking about physical effects, and we'll get into to some specifics that uh, you've seen with, with uh, your time doing this, but what about emotional, what about mental uh, effects and the, how the frequencies affect our, our mood and our, uh, the way Fantastic. we react to things? Well, what's, what's wonderful about that is that, you know, the best test patients are people that have never heard it before and animals, because animals don't understand placebo mechanics. So, so when you have a dog or a cat and they respond to it, you know that that wasn't a trained, learned, or imagined exercise. It really works. The same way, um, I found even myself, Joe, that if I'm having, um, a, a challenging day, Sometimes, you know, I have to remember that this works for me, too, and I put it on, and I have to tell you that it will very quickly um, change the atmosphere where you are, in your workplace, in the car, at home, and there's different, I mean, we can go through them one at a time later if you like, but each of the frequencies has a different effect in a different way. Some of them, very powerful psychological um, shifts happen. Some of the um, frequencies help if you have kids that are fighting or you know you're if you have <laughs> chronic fights with your spouse there's one frequency in this set that can really help that in a i mean like johnny on the spot way well that that's awesome and things you know you don't really i don't really uh, think about when when talking about this but you know maybe uh i could get some just for my car cuz when i'm in my car uh, i seem to be a lot more prone to Angry outbursts, especially when, it, when I'm dealing with other other drivers. So maybe I should, uh, you know, get a, a tape or CD for my my car there, and just uh, see if I find myself screaming out the window anymore. You know, what's funny is that when you see somebody that has like a Jesus bumper sticker and they're like hanging out of their car screaming at people and stuff, it's only <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh my god, you need whole tones because everybody sees your bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And I imagine, you know, uh, anywhere we can, where we can see, uh, you know, positive change in our lives, we should always be striving to, to make that happen. And, uh, you know, this is one area that I wonder, uh, even other, the listeners we have, how many people have, have heard about, uh, you know, the power of frequencies and, and of whole tones, uh, to be able to not only help with physical ailments, uh, but mental and emotional as well. What about things like, um, you know, people who have, uh, Alzheimer's, and we know that there is, you know, this constant battle. Uh, people are trying to find the cure, find a, a reversal method. Um, yeah. what, what about something like this where we're dealing with dementia? You mentioned PTSD, but yes. uh, some of these ailments where uh, maybe we, you know, improvements in people who uh, are affected by Alzheimer's is, is that possible with whole tones? Uh, it is, and and the good thing about it, at at wholetones.com and wholetonesmusic.com, Joe, they can look at the testimonials and and see what we're talking about. They're broken down into different categories, and they can check through it and look at all of what people are saying actually happened. Um, the interesting thing about uh, both about Alzheimer's and dementia is more and more of it is being linked to pharmaceutical drugs that were used for something else. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then so. Normally, you would say, well, you know, once that happens, what could you really do about it? The interesting thing first is to realize what frequency does. If you speak life or if you use a frequency that gives life, like 528 hertz, for example, 
that's your body processes stuff that way. Um, just like our brain, Joe, you know, our brain loves patterns. That's like with neuroplasticity. Um, the first thing they work with is, is patterns. You know, they get people to a place where they construct patterns that their brain is, is comfortable with working with and they repeat those again, which helps, you know, with neuroplasticity. In the same way with, um, whether you're dealing with, um, dementia or Alzheimer's, the problem is, is, is it's, it's, the, it's called the long goodbye because you start to forget little things and where you put things and pretty soon you forget the people in your life and you forget a lot of these things and um, the the number one way to help somebody with this besides just an abundance of love there's nothing like the human touch is music and it's unbelievable a lot of times you know I just read a story not long ago um, a woman that was 80 years old and she was she was Catatonic. They could not get through to her. Her eyes were fixed. She was rigid. And somebody brought in their, um, their, uh, you know, iTunes playlist and put headphones on her and started playing some big band music, you know, like Woody Herman, uh, you know, just big band stuff. And she started dancing. And they were like, <laughs> oh my goodness, there's such a connection between you know, certain parts of your past and things that you remember and you grew up with. And so as part of the neuroplasticity and brain entrainment, then one of the first things they did was they brought her back to a part in time, which, of course, because music is the soundtrack of the human life, it brought her back because of the music she grew up. Whole tones is really interesting because it works on a cellular level. So to some degree or not, it's almost like your body remembers it. People tell me all the time, I listen to whole tones for a couple of weeks, I hear the tones even when they're not playing. I find that fascinating. So yeah, I, I would absolutely say that um, while we have testimonies of people that say that their, their parents and grandparents have found uh, a lot of success by using the frequencies. And you just, uh, you just mentioned something about the, you know, the fact that uh, memory, it's, I don't know how many people have this, I'm sure it's a very common experience where you hear a song and it brings you back to a, a time in your childhood or it brings you back to, you know, maybe a memory of a vacation or a holiday or uh, a series yes. of events that happened. Yeah. Would you say there's yeah. a sound, the music is the soundtrack to our, our life? Is that how the saying yeah. goes? Yeah. We all have a soundtrack. You know, we're, 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 we're building our playlist as we get older, you know, and, and we forget and then you'll, you'll watch a movie. I watched one the other night. It was called Wonder. Fabulous film. And, um, and, in that there were certain songs that went along with the time frame during the movie and it was like oh oh and I remembered where I was and where I was sitting and all the very first time I heard the song and it brings you somewhere that's a huge thing yeah it really is and it shows also how uh, you know the how music can um, how your brain can react to that we have talked about in the past how uh, you get what the social media engineers envisioned and understood was that you get a a dopamine release in your brain yeah. when you conduct certain you know activities on they say getting a text or have somebody liking your photos online and you think about them engineering the social media world uh, to really get people hooked on those uh, you know brain responses that you get and that's why people are so hooked on the social media always have the phones in their face uh, because of those those dopamine hits and music does the, the same things and it can have a much more positive uh, effect also when you're talking about um, actually having the ability to heal or or to mitigate uh, physical or mental ailments it's a uh, such a, a 
interesting topic. And, um, Michael, I want to ask you this. The, the, the how did you discover the frequencies? I know we talked about this before, but can you give our listeners, our listeners a little insight as to how this all sure. came about? Absolutely. It all, it all started with a question, Joe. And the question was, you know, why is a tuner, as everyone knows, I'm a musician, you know, many listening probably are too. Why are the tuners we buy in the United States calibrated to 440 hertz? That was the initial question. Um, I could not get an answer, Joe. I mean, every time I asked people, managers at music stores, people that were professional, nobody had an explanation for why that was arbitrarily chosen as the, the tuning center for American music. And so I started searching that out. And during that time, I went with a pastor friend of mine to Israel because he was writing a book called Your People Shall Be My People. And I was kind of proofreading it and spending time with him uh, in Israel. And when we landed at Ben-Gurion, uh, the first fascinating thing this man said was, I said, are we going to get a GPS? And he goes, oh, heavens no, we're just going to get in the car and see where the Holy Spirit takes us. And I just thought that was, the guy was like, that time was like 78 years old. And I just thought, what a cool idea. It's so Huck Finn. Let's just get in the car and see where it takes us in a country we don't know anything about. And so, you know, we're driving around and he looks at me and he says, I just feel like we're supposed to go to this coffee house in Jerusalem. And um, what's really cool about that is, uh, he said that a friend of his named Reuven was going to meet us there, but had no idea that we were in Israel, that he lived in Tel Aviv. But he said, I have this sense that this guy's going to get in his car and meet us in this coffee house, and we need to get there. So I thought, this is the funnest trip I've all, I've ever had, in, and we just got started. So we end up in this uh, this Hasidic coffee house, and as soon as we came in here, uh, came in there, I heard this guy playing piano, and he just beautiful and. I sat down at a table with Don, and we looked up at the stage, and there was this guy playing and looking at me, smiling, but staring a hole in the back of my head. And it was like, after like two minutes, it was so awkward. So I closed my eyes and started listening and realized the songs he was playing were very familiar American worship songs, things that we would have heard in church or things that we know. And I thought, man, this guy's getting away with murder. This is a Hasidic Jewish coffee house. But because he's playing instrumental music, they don't have any idea that he's playing songs about Jesus. And I just got giddy. So um, at the end of his set, he came over the table and he said, you're a believer, aren't you? And I said, yes, I am. I said, how do you know? And he goes, that's why I was smiling at you. I was so happy when you walked in. And um, and I said, yeah, and I know what you're doing, too. You're, you're like a music. You're like a musicianary. You're playing like worship songs in a Hasidic coffee house and getting away with it. And he goes, isn't that awesome? I said, what's your name? And he said, David. And I said, of course it is. And he said, listen, when I woke up this morning, Yeshua told me to put my life's work into um, a backpack because I was going to meet the one that was going to take it where it needed to go. And he said, I think you're the guy that knows what to do with this stuff. Can I give it to you? And I was like, are you kidding? What is it? And he said, I've spent my whole life um, decoding the Psalms of King David. I said, decoding them? And he goes, yeah, putting them to, to music. And I was like, oh, my. And he said, if you can stick around for my next set, you know, I'll, I'll bring in the music and you can have it and do with it whatever you want. But I've done I've taken it as far as it can go. And so just to be brief, that's how I originally found Whole Tones was in Israel and on Ben Yehuda Street in Israel. That's a that's such an amazing story. And you talk about, uh, you know, a, a sign from the Lord himself uh, that that's so awesome. And and 
to, to think that they didn't understand what kind of music was being played in there because it was instrumental. Uh, <laughs> that's really funny. Hey, no I don't know how many people are, are familiar with um, some of the attitudes with some of the people in Israel, but they are very anti-Jesus in, in many ways, uh, some of them. And and to, to see that, um, that, that's hilarious. I laugh at that every time. And and that's amazing, Michael. And you mentioned something, the, the, the tuners tuning yes. everything to, what was it, 4,400 hertz? No, 440. 440. And that is, yeah. uh, in terms of frequency... What would you describe that as? A positive frequency? A negative frequency? Oh, Neither? it's really negative. But here's here's the here's the the most nefarious part of it. It's you know like they always use the terminology of the devil as an angel of light. I always found that fascinating, right? In the mm-hmm. same way, like we think of music, and you you don't think of good music, bad music, music that's not good for you. You don't think in those terms. You don't. You just listen to the music, and now oh, that sounds beautiful to me. But when you have a giant question in your spirit and you're going to get an answer. I would not give up on why the tuners were tuned to 440 hertz. So I studied it for years, Joe. And I came upon some very credible research that said that 440 was commonly known uh, as the German radio beat and that Joseph Goebbels of Nazi Germany, the right-hand man to Adolf Hitler, uh, was the one that introduced that frequency in his attempt uh, of mind control and propaganda and that it was actually a negative, unrested frequency that brought chaos in the human body. And when I heard that, I couldn't believe it. But as I dug deeper, Joe, I found out that um, that there was only two countries. And, and remember, this is wartime. And during wartime, Joseph Goebbels thought that it was so important to go on a crusade to try to talk all the other countries into using the same tuning. So what he was actually saying without saying it is, I think we need a unilateral center of tuning for the whole world, okay? And at the same time, knowing in his heart that it was it would create chaos worldwide. Unbelievable. And so it was actually the first sense that we had of militarization of music that uh, his campaign failed miserably. Unfortunately, there were two countries that bought in. It was the United States of America and Canada. And in all my travels over the years, the very first time I went to Colombia, I was shocked to find that before I knew this, I tuned to my tuner and brought it with me. They tuned to their tuner in Colombia and had it with them, and we were horribly out of tune with each other. And I started realizing that many countries tune to their own tuning center, different frequency completely, 441, you know, 440 here in Canada and U.S. Uh, could be, you know, higher, 450, uh, Venice, or 444, which I think is awesome, because that's what I use in Leningrad, um, other parts of uh, Russia. So it's really interesting that we just assume that music is music, you know, it's it's like an apple is an apple. We just think that it's all like this congruent, uh, same-as thing. What I've brought to the world is music that's never been tuned like this that anybody's heard, and music that has underlayments of naturally created frequencies. They probably haven't heard those frequencies for 2,500 years. You know, what I find so interesting about this is going back to the, you know, this being the, the frequency that, everybody uses to tune their machines to and we can't overlook the fact that uh before the fall of uh, satan from uh, his place in yeah. heaven that he was the musical chief and there has to be some connection there and if a the nazi war machine wanted to use this frequency wanted to pinpoint and use this frequency there's got to be something there and so often we talk about the spiritual battle that 
you know, wages constantly, the behind the scenes, whether, you know, some of us are aware of it or not. This is a huge part of, of this unseen battle, if you will. Imagine what kind of a disadvantage you're at. Uh, and we see this with the, with the music of today, the, 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 the violent and, uh, crazy, uh, hip hop lyrics and, and the old rock and roll lyrics and all the negative things that they constantly talk about from, you know, drug dealing to, to murder to Satan worship and all this other stuff that we've seen throughout pop culture music uh, over the last 50 years. There is a reason why none of that music is, doesn't, it does not have, is not good, first of all, but doesn't have a positive or loving message, second of all. And, you know, you have to wonder why that is. But I'm also curious as to how these negative frequencies, Michael, are being used in ways that we don't even know, uh, you know from waiting rooms and doctor's offices to uh, even a frequency being played that, that we can't hear. And we've seen the, you know, the, the sound weapons we talked about, the, the negative. Um, but, you know, all this can be turned around. There is the positive to the negative. And it is, um, you know, something we don't think about a lot, but... The, the battle of frequencies is really what we're talking about. And we're talking with Michael Terrell from Whole Tones, wholetones.com or wholetonesmusic.com. Uh, check out the hey, website. John, guess what? Hmm. You had it. You, you guys had your own, um, URL for tonight. Oh, okay. Well, see, Michael, I don't know if you know, but we are, my, my, my father and tech Eric are in DC. I didn't uh, know John, like the producer, is in California. I'm the only one in in the studio here, and uh, and I, what's that? Yeah, just us. Just me. So this URL we have, okay. Um, yeah, you have your very own. Can I tell them what it is? Oh, absolutely. Please do. I'll tell you too. <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. These guys have their very own URL, and that's important because people want to know um, that that you guys heard about this from Joe. So here's your URL, Joe. Whole Tones, W-H-O-L-E-T-O-N-E-S, free, F-R-E-E dot com. That's wholetonesfree.com. That is the URL of the night. You can find everything I've ever created at wholetonesfree.com. Awesome. And, and thank you so much for that, Michael. Sorry for, uh, that we did not have that front and center. <clears throat> and, uh, are you, did, when people, um, order anything is there any uh, specials is there uh, one attached to that to that url do we know any discount you know they didn't tell me but i'm sure there is we always do that so if they go to wholetonesfree.com we always do something special for the hagman and hagman guests Uh, thank you so much professional radio at its finest here oh yeah (laughs) i would imagine that it's it's usually a discount code is usually what it is so i'm assuming that that's what your guys will get if they go on tonight um, to wholetonesfree.com, then they will get a uh, a discount on anything that they purchase. Now, I want to ask you this: Do you have you seen any uh, any difference if people uh, as the matter of how long people listen to this, or of what time in the day? Like, if they have a better response listening to it in the morning versus in the evening? That's a great question. I want to circle back to something you said a minute ago, too, in a few minutes, because it was really important, and we went by it really quick. Um, but, yes, there, there is, actually, and there's different applications, Joe. Like we mentioned before, but, you know, most of our listeners are probably brand new tonight. Um, just for example, uh, there's seven frequencies on this first project, and um, each of them has a different characteristic, but during the daytime, one that's just phenomenal if you work, if, if you're a nine to five or you got to go into the office cubicle and about two o'clock in the afternoon you start nodding off. 
417 hertz. The song uh, is called Desert Sojourn. Um, we have been absolutely blown away by the response we got. In fact, I've been interviewed now by Forbes, by Inc., uh, um, Inc. Magazine, um, Fortune 500. It's just been a crazy year with financial institutions calling me because they've been using that frequency, 417 hertz, in their offices all day at a very low volume and found their productivity went through the roof. People weren't peeking out in the afternoon. They said the day went by fast. They're creatives. Um, one CEO in New York told me he was pumping out more stuff in one day than he did in a whole week before. So it's really great for daytime stuff. It beats um, procrastination. If you're one of those people that say, I'll do it um, tomorrow, if not on 417, you won't. You'll do it right now. It just has a way of breaking down people's abilities to put off tomorrow what they can do today. Fabulous stuff. Yeah, that sounds like uh, that could help me too. The uh, I'll take the one of the procrastination songs, please, because uh, that seems to be a, a problem of mine. And uh, and just think about that. Even if you're not just using it in your in your own home or uh, when you're you know say doing the dishes or taking a walk, if you have other people, if you as you said, if you have a family and you're taking a car ride with them, or you own an office uh, and you have employees, you know, play this. At least even for the mood, forget about the, the productivity, but that's pretty awesome that the people who use that also noted an increase in productivity. And I guess if you're in a better mood, in a better state of mind, if you're feeling better physically, it would only make sense that that this would help in, in positive ways. Let me ask you this, Michael, and this is, might be a sensitive subject for some. What about people who are going through things like drug addiction in recovery? Have you heard Very anybody good. who's had experiences with this? Yeah, quite a few, actually. And what I can tell you, um, like I said, all of these frequencies have a different characteristic, but the the one, um, the open door is the first one. It's 396 hertz. And what's interesting about the open door is um, those of our listeners tonight that are familiar with um, any type of frequency work, whether it be Royal Ripe's work or whether it be um, introducing frequency to the body via laser probe and or, like in my case, music um, that's uh, embedded with frequency. One thing that everyone agrees on is in order to really receive the most out of a treatment, you need to have an opening frequency. And what the opening frequency is usually designed to do, Joe, is to get the body to a place where it can receive stimuli. So what I found fascinating with the open door frequency is that for some reason it it gets past that shame and guilt grid that people deal with. It's amazing. Even Christians, how many people struggle with with shame and guilt? And in the Bible, the word shame in the Hebrew is a sham, which means the burning face. It means that you've fallen short. It means that you're embarrassed. Your face turns red. And, you know, when Jesus died on the cross, one of the things he took care of was for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising a sham, despising the shame. He took care of the shame. But people nonetheless hold on to their shame and their guilt. And it's the hardest thing because, Joe, if people don't feel worthy to receive healing from God, they're not going to be healed from God. They should feel that God loves them enough to touch them. So this frequency has an unbelievable effect on people when they listen to it because shame and guilt seems to just melt away and they, they say that they feel worthy to receive God's healing. So that's really great for people that are dealing with that that kind of thing. Especially, especially, you know, um, I know a little bit about that. So, um, yeah, when people deal with that, there's all kinds of shame. I mean, listen, when you have to medicate yourself 
It's the first step to taking a, to taking, um, a, a, a step that you probably don't want to fully take because the next one, if you'll, if you'll medicate yourself to get through life, you'll take your life. You see what I mean? You won't mm-hmm. see any difference, uh, cause you're killing yourself slowly. So the one thing that, that happens when people that are dealing with that is they don't, they feel ashamed of themselves because they know they're living a, a, an, an alternate lifestyle to some, they're doing something that's unnatural or adding something unnatural, either intravenously or, or whether it's a consumable in order to alter their state to help them deal with what? Depression, uh, father issues, separation, depression. I mean, a myriad of, of emotional issues. So if you have a frequency that can get that person to say, I'm worthy to be healed, it opens a door um, for these guys to be able to be touched by God. And that's the only way um, that I see. I mean, there's lots of ways that people like to feel um, that they're helping people with, with their drug addiction. The number one way to help someone with their drug addiction is by loving them through it, and secondly, by God delivering them from their addiction. And um, Whole Tones, uh, the open door, is a huge step in working with people uh, to help them get past the shame and guilt grid and get ready to be healed. And that's such a, you know, such a, a thing that we're, we're dealing with a, such a traumatic time in this country with the huge increase in opioid addiction and overdoses. Unbelievable. That's affected, you know, just about every community. And people are uh, searching far and wide looking for, you know, cures, looking for things to, to mitigate this. And uh, well, why not try, you know, the power of the frequency? And uh, kind of from there, Michael, you know, the, the, the people who deal with uh, depression or chronic depression, anxiety. I assume that this also, uh, has the same effect. As I always, would. yeah, I always tell people, Joe, that when, when I get emails like that, I can't now, by law, I can't prescribe. It's funny, even people have actually even told me that, you know, that, yeah, you better be careful. You can't make all these medical claims. So I don't make medical claims. But what I can say is if somebody came to me and said, um, if you were in this position, what would you do? I would tell them to listen to that frequency 396 hertz, Joe. That's what I would tell them to do. And um, what's interesting about frequencies, too, is a lot of your listeners are super savvy about, um, you know, health and wellness and how to use uh, different modalities of, you know, alternative remedies to help their bodies. One thing that's interesting about whole tones is a lot of people would quickly dismiss it as, you know, as just music or even worse, entertainment. But because it's embedded with with uh, frequency, it's therapeutic, and in the in in the realm of of, of therapy, um, I've had some people that listen to whole tones, and uh, they said, "Hey, one of the songs really freaked me out." I said, "Well, what do you mean, really freaked me out?" Well, it made me feel on edge and kind of irritable, and so this happened like, and this is for the ladies listening right now. I mean, this is, I'm with you and I get you, and but it's kind of humorous, so I'm going to share it real quick. So. I kept getting the same thing when I put whole tones out from just women, the same frequency, 528 hertz. This is a good example of what you're talking about. And uh, it was the same story. I get irritable. I feel cranky. I get, you know, and I thought, wait a minute. I, that's the opposite reason I created this. What's happening? So I looked at, at um, what parts of the body it affects. And interestingly enough, it affects the uterus and some of the, the female genitalia. And, uh, and works on balancing hormones. And I just started giggling. I went, Oh my God, I'm going to, I'm going to break taboo and I'm going to, I'm going to write them back and ask them how old they are. Well, all of them were right in that 45 to, you know, 56 range. All were either pre, mid or post, um, menopause. And so 
what I, what I picked, figured out really quick was just like if you get, all right, let's say, for example, Joe, you call me and said, hey, I want to do a liver kidney cleanse or whatever. I would send you something, but there's no guarantee it wouldn't send you into a Herxheimer's, which is just a, a nice fancy word for a healing crisis, which means you could feel flu-like symptoms and you'd feel kind of achy as the toxins are leaving your body, right? And then within a day, you're like, wow, I feel so much better. Um this can do that type of thing if you hit if you hit it in the bullseye. If you, for example, that 528 was nailing all of these um, pre-mid or you know post-menopausal women uh, because it was messing with their hormones. Well, here's the good news. So I I, I figured out what to do. I called them uh, and told them each personally. Listen, listen to all the other frequencies as much as you want, but 528. Listen to it twice a week until it doesn't bother you anymore. Within two weeks, I'm getting love notes from all of them. Oh, my gosh, my hot flash is stopped. Oh, my gosh, I'm sleeping through the night. Oh, my gosh, I'm not irritable anymore. It's powerful stuff that people have to get past the grid of thinking that it's just music. Yeah, and, you know, we, uh, speaking just of anxiety attacks, people who suffer with that know that anything from, you know, your brain racing, your thoughts running, to uh, an increased heartbeat can, can kind of trigger one of these things, and why not? Use everything at your disposal before having to to use that the medication uh, that is really so addictive and bad, uh, and try to make the the positive change as much as possible while moving away from those those harmful things. And I just want to throw this out there: this is an article from a few years ago. I'm sorry, from 2017. And then I have another yeah. article from a few years ago: frequency and vibration, how they create the structures of matter in life. And also, there's other articles: scientists prove DNA can be reprogrammed by words and frequencies so but before as you said people write this off as entertainment or music uh look at what science has had to say they talk about um how this uh, phenomenon show how these especially spiritual matters can do anything from uh help with intuition spontaneity to self-healing and uh how this can even reprogram or influence dna just with sounds and words and it's fascinating to think that the the extent that frequency and the power that that frequency has. But when you look at it uh, from the biblical view, as you did, Michael, and talking about you know God said let there be light, and through that through His voice created uh, our our existence. Uh, obviously, there is power in those frequencies. And people, before uh, anybody just dismisses this, go to wholetonesfree.com. That's whole tones h w h o l e T-O-N-E-S, free, F-R-E-E, dot com, and check out this product. And, you know, we have seen the negative sides of this as we talked about for so long, the the, the music and uh, even the sound weapons that they're, they have been deploying. Uh, I think the first time we saw that was in 2008, 2009 at the uh, G20 Summit in Pittsburgh where they had these awful sound cannons where they would play these sounds and, and you know, people would run because it could blow out your eardrums. Well, look at the positive. Uh, there, there are positive benefits to listening to the right frequencies and, and Michael Terrell of Hotones has identified those frequencies. Now, um, for those who are unfamiliar with your product, Michael, is this these frequencies wrapped around you uh, created music uh, with these frequencies and this is you? Are, are, are you the one who sings and does, plays the music? Or Well, they're all instrumental so there's no singing on this one okay. but I'm not I'm not going to guarantee that'll never happen. <laughs> but um, <laughs> okay. the, the way it, the way it works is is that there's an underlayment Joe of frequency, and that's what I created first, which was created with um, with crystal and water, 
and and strings, real strings, violins, violas, cellos. Um, it was all natural, and so there's this beautiful drone that's that's beneath the music, which I want to go into in a minute and talk about. But um, and then then while that's playing, then I had my musicians in the studio with me, and we played spontaneously over these drones that I created. Um, and amazingly, seven times in a row without a watch, or we were in a in a room with no um, windows called the Noise Vault in Dallas, Texas. And seven times in a row, one take, the songs came out 22 minutes and 22 seconds, and uh, each with a different frequency underlayment, um, naturally created, and each with spontaneous music from people that love God and know how to flow in the spirit. And I wasn't directing them. I was playing with them in real time at the same time in a separated sound booth. None of us had line of sight. None of us could see each other at all. Pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, th- this is... Um uh, we have to, I know we have some of the, the whole tone stuff here. I'm going to have to uh, find out where in the studio exactly it is. And I'm going to put this to a test just so I can talk to our listeners. And I, we've done it before, so I know it, it does work. Uh, but discover the, the power of positive frequencies with Michael Terrell and whole tones. And how long have you guys been around now? I know we, you were, uh, on with us in the past. You said it was three times at least. And that yeah. was a few years ago now. So you've been. The last time I was with you was one year ago. It was just okay. when you'd gone over to Skype, actually. I think it was just about a year ago. But um, believe it or not, the hard launch. And when I say hard launch of this, means that I actually trucked the first ones that were duplicated over to Orlando, and I had a big listening party at the uh, <laughs> William Shakespeare Theater, and 140 people came and packed the place, and I sold everything that there was in the boxes. I had hundreds of these things. Um, and that was October 24th of 2014. Nobody knew about it at all outside of that room until Black Friday of the same year, 2014. So just, you know, right around four years now then? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. I found out that we're in 168 nations and I was as shocked as everybody else. Yeah. That's, uh, that, you know, congratulations for that. That, that is awesome. And, uh, you know, again, we're so happy that to have you back on. Go to wholetonesfree.com, wholetonesfree.com. And Michael, if anybody has any questions, uh, do you have an email or, or a, a contact, uh, that you can give us? So if people do have further questions before ordering that they can reach out to you? Um, let me see. Let's, I don't, I don't have, um, an email. I don't have a personal email. Um, okay. Uh, you know, Is the best a- thing. Let them call you guys, and then you guys just send me any questions, and I can respond to them. That'd be the best way to do it, probably. All right, that sounds perfect. So, any, any questions uh, that you guys have about the whole tones, send us an email to, at studio at hagman and hagman dot com, and we will make sure that we get those out to you. Also, um, I can probably give a, a shorter email. We have our Hagman Report emails uh, that are, are finally working properly, and uh, well, I'll throw that out there later. But, Michael, we, we have about uh, seven minutes left in this interview. Anything that we didn't get a chance to get into oh, that wow. you wanted to mention? I can't believe it's gone that fast. Yeah, there is. Um, there's a lot of things I wanted to tell you about. But um, one thing that was important was we talked about the frequency. And most people, um, if you give them an attachment, it helps them understand things better. So everybody knows about Pythagoras, I mean, who was basically the grandfather of arithmetic, especially geometry. 
Um, Pythagoras was known as the world's greatest, you know, mathematician. But I want to share with your audience that actually there was something that he preferred and something he was even better at than mathematics. He was a musician. In fact, Pythagoras, he created his own musical instrument. It was called the monochord. And let me tell you how it works, and then you'll understand how all of this works. The monochord on one side was like an upside-down harp, and on the top of it, it was, it was padded, and his disciples would lay down on it, Joe, and he would play the strings underneath them. He called them soul adjustments. And interesting thing about Pythagoras, he was the only one of his time that gave all of the credit for all the healing and all of the insight he had about mathematics to God Almighty, which I thought was fantastic. Another thing that was fantastic is many don't know that one of his disciples was Plato. But what he would do was he would get these guys to lay down when they weren't feeling well, if they were uh, stressed, if they were having some sort of distress, he would have them lay down on top of the instrument and underneath it were all the, the drone strings where he would literally vibrate or resonate their body with the, with these um, drone sounds or frequency sounds like I use. Um, uh, it, was, it was probably at the time one of the biggest healing breakthroughs um, of its kind. There was nobody that, no doctors or anybody else in Pythagoras' time that could match the, the um, not only efficacy, but the speed in which people were healed by him simply playing this music underneath them while they lay down on top of, of the padded um, harp that he created. Pretty amazing stuff. So, you hey, there's, no, that. Yeah, there's no question that most people don't put that together, but Pythagoras was doing this, I mean, my goodness, thousands of years ago. And here we are in 2018, and, and it's it's nouveau. You know, I'm talking about this stuff, and people going, that's the coolest thing I ever heard. Oh, my gosh. You know, you're like, like everybody thinks I'm like the expert on frequency now. It's like, man, Pythagoras was doing this <laughs> way, 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 way back and having great success. So there's no question of whether or not it works. The, the um the bigger thing is is demystifying it so people will try it and understand it and realize first and foremost and most importantly that God is the author of healing and the author of every frequency and in his voice when he speaks he excites every audible frequency not only man's frequency but every other like I said we have a very small postage stamp in our audio frequency understanding our ears hear from roughly like you know, 20 hertz to maybe 20,000. All outside of that, beneath and above, dolphins, bats, every animal you can think of, they operate in a frequency realm that we could never hear. And beneath those, elephants, moles. But what's really cool is back in the 70s, they had a thing called the silent dog whistle. And you'd blow it, and you'd just hear air, and the dog would go nuts. So it wasn't yeah. really silent because the dog could hear it, but you couldn't. So that's the big takeaway for tonight is just because it – you don't understand it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. Huge. That's right. And I, I don't believe, I think we only have a, a limited, very limited understanding of the power that, that frequencies have over us. And, and I, I often wonder the, this is when we get to heaven, are we even going to care about all the things that we wondered about on earth and no. uh, the things that we wanted to know? <laughs> I I hope we do. I, I want to get answers, uh, you know, first and foremost. But I, I often wonder, you know, uh, how much more, you know, with the right combinations and with the, how, how much more we could, uh, in areas like this with what you're talking about with the, the power of, of frequencies and being, and them being used properly to, uh, for, for healing physically, emotionally, and mentally. And, uh, how much has been kept back from us? That's my point, you know, from, uh, many people, 
uh, believe that you know cancer has been cured, but the elites have a, uh, a monopoly on that cure as to keep modern medicine funded. And I often wonder, you know, what other monopolies uh, you know they might have on on technology and whatnot. And if those uh, answers were ever to get released, what kind of positive effects on this earth could they have? And maybe the frequency is one of them. But if, for folks who who don't understand, go on YouTube and check out. There's a some great videos. Uh, the power of frequency on on water, and you can see how uh, it the, the the frequencies manipulate the matter around it. And I think that that's just so awesome to me, uh, Michael. But I want to thank you so much for for coming on the website wholetonesfree.com, wholetonesfree.com. And we're talking with uh, Michael Terrell, who's founded Whole Tones, and he gave you the story of how he uh, did that just a little bit ago. It's so fascinating. Michael, thank you so much for coming on tonight. It was a, a great interview, and uh, we will continue to stay in touch. And uh, thanks for your time. God bless you, Joe. Next time I want to talk to you a little bit about something I'm working on for behavioral um, uh, behavioral frequencies for inner city work, with especially like in Chicago where there's a lot of armed robbery and crime. We'll talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. That sounds uh, uh, very interesting. And anybody with questions or uh, feedback, yeah. send it to studio at hagmanandhagman.com. Michael, thank you so much. God bless you, my friend. God bless you, too. All right, we are just a, a few minutes away from the break. want to make sure I took time to tell you about the upcoming conference Occupy 2018 you can go to Coach Dave Live to register, the conference is only a few weeks away, April 20th 21st and 22nd in Canton, Ohio again, go to Coach Dave Live there you can register and get your tickets as there are not many places, uh, rooms left in the hotel that's hosting the event so make sure if you planned on going to get your tickets as soon as possible we got an email update from one of the organizers uh, who just said that, uh, yeah, they're, they're expecting the uh, venue to fill up within the next 10 days, and they're uh, getting all the details and, and plans laid out as far as who needs a table and, and who's going to be where. So it's coming together. We're only just, what, a few days away. It starts on the 20th. And we are already at the ninth, 11 days away. My goodness, that's coming quick. And you're going to have uh, all kinds of speakers from John, myself, my father. You're going to have Russ Dizdar. Coach Dave is going to be there. Pastor Mike Spaulding is going to be there. And several others. So don't miss out on the Occupy 2018 conference. Again, April 20th through the 22nd in Canton, Ohio. Get your tickets now on Coach Dave Live while you still can. <clears throat> and coming up in the next segment, Peter Chauka is going to be our guest. He joins us each Monday in the third hour. And just a fabulous addition to the show uh, makes it that much better with, with content, especially with Peter's analysis of current events and the media. And he's got a few pieces up right now. California Democrat pushes new law to gut First Amendment also, an interesting story that I didn't take, uh, I didn't really look at when I read Peter's article, and then I went back and looked at some of the other uh, coverage on this story, but the AP's serious error. Was it a case of fake news? And this is an interesting story about what the Associated Press attempted to do to a Fox News reporter in uh, basically creating a fake news story or, or lying in their report. Uh, and the question is, did they do it? intentionally or was this a mistake uh, because of a, a 
glitch on the screen or from the programmer's desk of Fox News. But we're going to talk with Peter about that and much more. Also, go in the Hagman Report website if you're there. Under exclusive reports, click the In Other News tab, and you can see other important stories, something we talked about on Friday. Department of Homeland Security seeking contracts to spy on journalists. They're putting together a database of journalists um, for, I would say, nefarious purposes. And we can touch on that with Peter as well. And then there's a great article uh, that I talked about earlier on The Daily Show. Is progressivism satanic? And that article uh, is a good read, and it lays out scenario as to why that author believes that there is a satanic element behind the progressive movement. Peter Chalka, when we come back, don't go anywhere. Welcome back to our third and final hour on this Monday edition. In hour three, we are joined by Peter Barry Chalka, who joins us each Monday in the third hour. And I want to just throw this headline out. We're going to bring Peter on. Globalist and neocons demand Syria war. Trump considers options. And this goes on to talk about the establishment, neoconservatives, liberals, and globalists all demand deeper U.S. involvement in Syria's establishment-fueled civil war. Much of President Trump's base continues to advocate a total withdrawal of U.S. military forces from the region. Meanwhile, Trump said he is considering all options for how to deal with Syria after the reported chemical weapons attack. But what will be his response, as he has promised about 12 hours ago, to have made a decision in the next 24 to 48 hours on the response to Syria? And is this another false flag set up by the deep state, by the media, by these same globalists in order to try to drive a wedge between the president and his base to try to to make uh, attempt to get President Trump to make mistake that may be irreconcilable with his base I don't know let's bring Peter Chalka on and he can tell us uh, he can tell us what he sees uh, from this I, whatever happened in Syria on Friday from what we see uh, the president and the people surrounding him are they they're saying as well as what the media's involvement in all this as well and then we have many other issues we're going to get to with peter it's great to have you back on the show thank you joe it's great to be with you and i guess we're one-on-one tonight yeah it should, it should be fun i was uh i don't know how much of the the show you heard but uh, john's on the west coast my, my dad and tech eric are in washington dc and i'm here all alone in the, the studio i got all the lights off only the four computer monitors here uh, lighting up my my area, and uh, it's it's relaxing. It's a little nerve wracking uh, with nobody here. At the same time, it's very peaceful. But we're moving forward either way. Well, I'll be happy to uh, keep you company for the next hour. And <clears throat> actually, it's kind of a <clears throat> excuse me. It's actually a benefit that we're doing audio only tonight because I've got so many notes spread out here that it would be hard to deal with them if uh, I was trying to be on camera at the same time. And I have to say that this day today, Monday, April 9th, 2018, uh, seems like uh, the busiest news day 
pretty much that I can ever remember in a long history of paying attention to the news. There have been so many breaking stories today, one on top of the other. And even before we got to today, since we were together last Monday, I'd been researching some different areas and had, had kind of loosely planned a narrative that I was going to try out tonight. But maybe we can get to a little of that. But there's so much breaking today that I guess we can just uh, dig right into it or jump right into it. And you asked about these reports that are very disturbing today, alleging that uh, Assad of Syria, President Assad, engineered a poison uh, gas attack on civilians. Now, of course, it's hard to know what the truth is there. It's certainly, uh, if you're skeptical to begin with and you know anything about history, you would have to be skeptical about the mad rush to war that may be happening now to try to provoke President Trump and the U.S. into to taking military action. <clears throat> and when I when I think about these reports today, I think back to 28 years ago. You know, I like to look at uh, the history as I remember it and I've studied it. And in the summer of 1990, actually August 2nd, Saddam Hussein's Iraq invaded the smaller country of Kuwait. And over the next five and a half months, we had the lead up to the first uh, Gulf War, as it was called, which commenced in January of uh, 1991. The United States under George Herbert Walker Bush and his regime leading a coalition of countries to uh, kick Saddam and the Iraqis out of Kuwait, which was accomplished in about three weeks. But one of the articles of faith leading up to that war, the march to war, and which uh, really helped to uh, enhance the image of Saddam Hussein as a bad guy who was worthy of us declaring war on, and it's not to say that he was a good guy, I certainly hold or held no brief for Saddam Hussein, but you may remember that uh, it was frequently alleged during that period of 1990 and the lead-up to war the next year that Saddam Hussein had gassed his own people in the village of Halabja during the Iran-Iraq war during the 1980s, which pitted those two countries against each other. And by the way, at that point, uh, the United States was kind of loosely supporting Saddam Hussein's Iraq because we disliked Iran even more than Iraq at that point. Now, as I was doing research uh, on the on that situation and, and leading up to the war, and I spent about a year actually uh, delving very, very deeply into that whole situation in the Middle East, I came across which... Uh, at the time was a very rare study conducted by uh, experts at the U.S. Army War College. Now, these were oh, military yeah. military men who studied uh, Saddam Hussein and uh, in particular this alleged incident of the gassing of the civilians at uh, Halabja, the village of Halabja, which was hung around Saddam's neck and made him seem like, you know, another Hitler. I mean, didn't didn't Bush, President Bush, say at one point <laughs> that Saddam Hussein was another Hitler? You know, that's the kind of rhetoric that was floating around then. Well, anyway, this uh, rather uh, distinguished and credible Army War College study 
by by United States military said no, it was not. There was no evidence that that Saddam Hussein's forces did this uh, terrible act of of killing these people with uh, poison gas weapons in Halabja. So I think back to that, and as you know, if we don't learn from history, we're going to be condemned to repeat it. And uh, even the the previous alleged uh, gas attack, or I guess real gas attack that occurred uh, somewhere in Syria a year or so ago, or, or maybe I have that off a bit, but I was getting material no, about from a, a year. friend. Yeah, so there was there's a friend of mine who monitors the the uh, left wing literature, kind of the underground left on the internet, which I have to say a lot of times is credible in terms of digging up this information about what's going on internationally. You know, I mean, who would we rather believe, the neocons who are always in favor of a mad rush to war or some peaceniks on the left who claim and assert that they have good sources internationally? So anyway, the sources I was I was receiving uh, through the efforts of this acquaintance of mine were that... Uh, you know, Assad was not the, the case could not be made a hundred percent that Assad uh, was behind that attack either. So I'm certainly not going to present myself as an expert in this area, but I can I'm able to ask questions, and I think we should really demand some kind of proof before we run off half cocked. I mean, today uh, our UN ambassador Nikki Haley was. Uh, speaking at the UN and that was on one of the cable news channels live for a time you know making the case as to how we have to stand up to Assad but I, you know I, I don't like a rush to war no matter who is the bad guy of the moment I think we really should demand to see if we can some ironclad proof before we go off bombing creating more casualties and and provoking the Russians who are certainly uh, behind Assad. That would be my perspective on that. And I I agree absolutely. And I see, you know, when people like Lindsey Graham and John McCain are, you know, putting themselves in in, uh, talking to the president and he's talking about uh, responding, Nikki Haley said that they're going to respond regardless of the U.N. Security Council's vote. Uh, And it's just whether or not they will be on the right side of history or not. It sounds to me as though they've already made up their minds about Assad being guilty, even though it makes absolutely no sense. And even, let's just say for whatever twisted reason that they believe he did do this, it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, you know, he's in a war-torn country for the last five years. This does not help his cause in any way whatsoever. So I I just have such a hard time, and you mentioned this a year ago, we saw this uh, in April, what the last gas attack they tried to pass off, as in blaming Assad on that, even though uh, General Mattis had to come out and say that there is absolutely no evidence we can point to that shows that Assad was guilty of this or carried out uh, that attack, we saw the president launch an airstrike towards a uh, air base or an airfield when he was sitting with the uh, president of China. But now I, I just have a feeling that this—I hope I'm wrong—that this has gotten away from him. I'd wish he even referred to his own tweets back when. Obama was president, and we were facing the similar a similar situation. Um, it, the same kind of thing happened. You know, a, a mysterious gas attack comes at the you know uh, announcement of changes happening in Syria, 
and you know the president said this is my red line and and we're we're if this red line's crossed we're we're going to take action but the president trump he was very harsh on obama then talking about the need for the us to stay out of these foreign entanglements that have no benefit to the united states or its citizens the uh you know globalist envisioning a middle east without president assad and it seems like these same talking points that were used in 2012, 2013, in 2017, are being used again, and I'm just afraid that uh, the president's going to make a a mistake here uh, with his base because his base is not going to want to see any kind of intervention in Syria. They want to what he said a few weeks ago that the rest of the troops will be removed, and this any this is and as you said, Peter, rightfully so, Russia and China and the other countries that are involved in this now, this really has the uh, potential to turn into an international crisis if cooler heads don't prevail. Well, Joe, that was a great review of the fairly recent history of the situation. Uh, very, very incisive. And I would take it back even a few years before what you've just recounted, because until about 2011 or so, uh, President Assad of Syria, that's before the uh, civil war broke out there, uh, somewhat, if not largely, at the instigation of uh, the New World Order and the United States under the regime of President Obama and Hillary Clinton. But anyway, President Assad was considered a, a moderate progressive leader in the Middle East. He was getting good press here. I think it was Vanity Fair or one of those glossy magazines did a real puff piece about his wife, and how wonderful she was. And of course, President Assad was uh, educated as a medical doctor in in England. He has a degree from a university in London, I believe, a medical degree. And all of a sudden, it flipped overnight, and he, he became another pariah. Uh, and, and I don't know what he really did to deserve that. I mean, just from looking at it from afar here, uh, a revolution started in his country to unseat him, and uh, he's fighting for for his political life and maybe for his life uh, period. Yeah. So you know it, it's never it's, it's never black and white, and uh, the you know the 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 winds of war are blowing again here. And like you said, I hope that President Trump is not isolated by uh, the rush the mad rush to conflict on the part of the people who are advising him now, but. That was just one story today that we we could be concerned yeah. about, very concerned. And another one that kind of rose to the top of my radar was the uh, the bust of uh, of uh, Cohen, Attorney Cohen, Michael Cohen, very yeah. closely allied with President Trump, his personal attorney. And uh, as Axios reported it, and the New York Times, this was indirectly linked from the Mueller investigation, but it was actually conducted and the warrants were obtained by the uh, local, or not local, but the federal district attorney in New York, who uh, apparently invaded Cohen's office and and possibly, I heard reports even of his uh, personal living space. He's not living at home while his home is being renovated, so they... The hotel, yeah. Uh, yeah, they broke into ho his hotel room and... You know, these are not uh, pleasant events uh, as what happened to Paul Manafort and his wife last year when they were served with a warrant, a no-knock warrant, broken in on, 
and and possibly even handcuffed for a time while they're dragged out of bed. And I read that Manafort uh, had 40 computers in his home, all of which were seized along with pretty much all personal papers. Now imagine the feds come into your house in the dark of night, they break in and they seize every computer, every USB drive, every accessory hard drive, and they make off with them, and you may never see them again, or if you do, they're going to come back to you in very bad condition. You know, if you try to keep your electronics and your tech gear in good uh, condition, well, you know, forget that. So it's a very, uh, it's not a good thing, and it brings to mind uh, associations with police states, you know, outside of the United States, and it's, you know, and you hear you hear somebody like uh, Judge Napolitano at Fox News describe these events, and it's it, it really is quite sickening, especially when in this case, Attorney Cohen was supposedly cooperating with Mueller and his authorities, as was Manafort, Paul Manafort at the time. But these are apparently efforts of intimidation, and again, civil libertarians should be concerned with what's happening and I like to think that we are all civil libertarians at heart whether we are on the right or the left this is just a bad news and you know the pressure is now being brought to bear closer and closer to President Trump himself and you know at times like this I remember what um, your frequent guest Paul McGuire said when uh, he had two hours on the Hagman Report, I believe it was last uh, fall, and I happened to hear that and listen to it very closely. And he was describing how he saw this this unending assault on Donald Trump and also his supporters as being kind of a, a psyop that was also intended to provoke President Trump. It was literally partially meant to drive him almost mad. So he would do things that would feed into this, uh, uh, you know, this overall takedown effort, this, this ongoing silent coup against his administration. And we've, we haven't seen anything like that in the history of this country where an elected president of the United States is not given one day of peace you know the jackals are 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 at his heels the whole time through the mainstream media through the the Mueller special counsel investigation and through whatever else is targeting him that we are not even aware of and it, it's getting very scary scarier and very disturbing and god only knows where this will lead but it it doesn't look like it's going to go to a good place and then when you match it up with the uh, you know the the winds of war that are blowing now. You know, it really, this this is getting really serious and really alarming, in my humble opinion. It, it is, Peter, and you know, many people are arguing as to, uh, you know, what this is that we're, we're watching with the raid of Michael Cohen's office. As last week, it was announced that President Trump is not under any criminal investigation. Many people are saying that this is, you know, Mueller is abusing his power. He's expanding the probe 
well beyond uh, of anything we've seen before. And what's so troubling about this is you have all these crimes from Hillary Clinton and her email server to the rigging of the uh, the primary election in her favor against Bernie Sanders to the corruption at the FBI and the DOJ as they uh, the FISA court abuses, the unmasking, and all these other abuses of power. Yet all those provable uh, crimes, we have no special counsel. But here you have a president who's under a, an investigation, which we will call it for what it really is, a witch hunt, where there is no underlining crime. They have already just made their mind about the president that he is guilty, so therefore they're going to investigate towards that natural conclusion and expanding the probe in every direction each day that goes by. At, at what point is the president allowed to say, this is out of control and, and fire these people? But obviously, you know, they'll they'll use that to hang him if he does that, but Right. Should he be this able looks, to do that? This looks like from the beginning, Joe, and even more so now, this Mueller investigation and the media investigations and everything else. It looks like one big investigation in search of a crime that they have not turned up yet. And exactly as you've just pointed out, when you contrast this, the alleged behavior of Donald Trump possibly at his worst, which is not very bad at all, I would argue. And you contrast that with the case that then-FBI Director Comey laid out on July 5th, 2016, when he called his uh, press conference that wasn't really a press conference because it didn't take any questions. And over the course of 15 minutes or so as broadcast live on the cable news channels and possibly on the broadcast channels that day too I don't know I wasn't watching them but he basically laid out the case for an indictment of Hillary Clinton and then said well we decided not to indict her because nobody could make the case really nobody could make it stick but that wasn't his his decision to make that's up to the attorney general at that point Loretta Lynch although I guess she she had supposedly recused herself or something because of her meeting on the tarmac with uh, Bill Clinton uh, shortly before that point I mean this is like the Keystone cops if anybody remembers that reference that you know during the silent films you had this group of policemen who were a comic group who did everything wrong well that's what the FBI looked like then now we see a more nefarious underhanded uh, exposure of them during the last years it's come out and we're about to get more of it now I mean Loretta Lynch was uh, giving an interview to the NBC Nightly News tonight and apparently contradicting some things that Comey has said and that presumably he will say as he hits the promotional tour for his book that's going to be published shortly so this is this is a mess, a chaotic mess unlike we have ever seen before in this country. And who can you trust anymore? Obviously, we cannot trust the FBI or the Department of Justice because even under Attorney General Sessions, it's apparently being run or strongly influenced by the shadow government and the deep state and the people that President Obama put in there. So again, I think all bets are off as to where this goes from here, but I, I just have a sinking feeling that uh, Mueller is going to have to indict somebody, and the bigger, the better, as far as he's concerned, to justify uh, the show that he's been running there, spending millions of dollars and conducting all these investigations. And 
I don't think this is going to go to or wind up in a good place. And of course, we have the uh, you know mid-year elections here now, uh, the 2018 elections in November. The Democrats are going to play for broke there. And if God forbid uh, the investigation can uh, try to target President Trump, he and the Republicans are going to have a very difficult time uh, winning the congressional elections. And then if, if the Democrats can take control of the House and or the Senate, then really all bets are off because they are going to be positioned to go full speed ahead towards trying to impeach and convict President Donald Trump. President Donald J. Trump. And, you know, one thing, Joe, I mentioned that um, before all of this news came out in the last several days, I was uh, looking into the history of previous presidents because I, I was following very closely and writing about, to some extent, CNN's new six-part series on the Kennedys. And I have to say, this has been an eye-opener because... It has once again shown us what the mainstream media is capable of and basically has been doing ever since President Kennedy in 1963 was unfortunately assassinated. And uh, this hagiographic six-part series, I mean five parts have aired now on CNN, and by the time they finish this coming Sunday, they will have totaled four hours of new documentary or docu-series, as they call them, on the Kennedys, primarily President John Kennedy, uh, Senator Robert Kennedy, and I guess part six will be a little bit on uh, Senator Edward M. Teddy Kennedy. And just like their old man, their father, Joseph P. Kennedy Sr., they were all dirty. Now, of course, it's not all black and white, and, you know, as I watch... I mean, I know a lot about about President John F. Kennedy. I was actually old enough to have a snow day on the day that he was inaugurated, January twentieth, nineteen sixty-one, and he was he was on, in many ways on the surface a, an impressive individual. And he was also, when you read the histories of the period, he was supposedly a likable figure too. He didn't take himself seriously. He was a smart guy. He was obviously uh, an excellent speak, speaker, public speaker. He, his inaugural had that great unforgettable line, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. That sounds like something that, that could come out of the mouth of uh, Ronald Reagan or even Donald J. Trump. You know, President Kennedy governed as a, uh, a centrist. He was almost center-right, actually, in some of the policies he pursued. But unfortunately, he had some personal foibles and limitations, including very bad health, which was covered up. And he had a passion for uh, the ladies, let's just leave it at that, that was unlike any president before or since. And that led him into very dark places. And that was confirmed by the book that Seymour Hersh published in 1997, The Dark Side of Camelot. And then that was turned into a a real documentary that ran once on the ABC television network as hosted and narrated by Peter Jennings. 
December 4th, 1997. And most of that is actually online. You can find it on Vimeo. And uh, it's pretty complete. It lacks about 15 or 20 minutes of the original production. But I watched that last week, too. And compared to the CNN documentary, it, it just is chilling in its accuracy as it painted a real picture of the Kennedys, particularly Joe Sr., the father of Jack and Bobby Kennedy. And, you know, your heart goes out to the women who they abused, and also to the uh, foreign policy of the United States because they did not do a great job there. In fact, I also watched another documentary that was hosted by um, the Stud Scud, whose name is escaping me at the moment, uh, but he hosted it on the History Channel in uh, the year 2000, and it had chapter and verse on how both Jack and Bobby Kennedy almost assuredly had sexual affairs with Marilyn Monroe and how unfortunately there's a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that uh, Bobby Kennedy it is alleged by people who were there had something to do with the unfortunate early demise of Marilyn Monroe because she was getting out of control there in 1962, she was ready to spill the beans on both Kennedys. So that's the story. Oh, and also the story that the CNN thing didn't really cover was the uh, the old man, Joe Kennedy Sr., who was in bed with a mob. I mean, let's face it, that's that's how this guy made his millions and how he got Jack elected by playing footsie with Sam Giancana and other mobsters. and I, I mean, it's an incredible story. And this has been well documented in books and magazine articles of the period, but it's never quite made it into the mainstream media, except for that, that one show on ABC Broadcast Network, December 4th, 1997. And uh, so here we are, 20 years later, we're getting even more of a hagiographic or you know pumped up unrealistic picture of the Kennedys and when you compare that to what they are alleging President Trump did you know it doesn't even what what Trump is alleged to have done doesn't even come close and yet for a time there President John Kennedy in popular opinion polls was coming in third or fourth as the best president of all time, according to what the American people say. So, you know, the truth is hard to find, Joe, but when you when you do get your hands around it, it gives you additional insight into what they are what the media are alleging that President Trump may or may have not done. I mean, even the Stormy Daniels case, assuming that is true, a one night stand twelve years ago when President Trump was Donald J. Trump, private citizen. And, you know, at the worst of it, he didn't uh, he, he, he didn't harass her. He didn't assault her. It was a consensual one-night stand, assuming the worst, as Anderson Cooper reported on, on uh, 60 Minutes recently on March 25th. Or the other case that uh, President Trump, when he was Donald Trump, is alleged to have had a slightly longer relationship of a 10-month duration on and off. 
uh, which Anderson Cooper reported on CNN, you know, it just doesn't hold a candle to what Jack Kennedy did pretty much uh, proven there. Or, um, you know, God, Bill Clinton. I mean, <laughs> we don't want to forget... <laughs> we don't want to forget what, um, you know, I mean, he was impeached for lying under oath, for basically uh, harassing and, you know, getting what he wanted to from Monica Lewinsky. And, you know, the alleged rape that he committed, I mean, it's just, there's just no comparison, but that's no, there the isn't. way it goes. No but, comparison. But they're trying to make those comparisons in order to, to dirty the Trump's name. Now, I remember... Uh, the Bill Clinton proceedings and the impeachment proceedings and all the the news that surrounded that. I was young. I don't really I don't remember the climate of the country. I don't remember you know what the attitude of of the people. Um, but the, obviously this is so different. And, and as you said, the Stormy Daniels thing. They're talking not about uh, and and nor have they brought anybody forward with any credible uh, claims that that President Trump has you know abused them or any of these other stuff. They tried that and none of the people saw through it for what it was. Yeah, it didn't uh, stick. They didn't have the evidence. And you know, Joe, that the mainstream media, how many scores or hundreds of investigators, reporters, producers they've had that they sicked on President Trump starting in 2016 when it looked like he might actually get elected, just like they did to uh, Sarah Palin, who, by the way, was on last night for an hour with uh, Mark Levin on his show. I haven't even had a chance to watch that that recording yet, but they did the same thing to her. I think the Washington Post sent something like 20 investigators to Wasilla to try to find the dirt on her, and they never found it, other than what they did report about, you know, the uh, lesser lights of her her daughter there, Bristol, you know, really nothing to find there. I mean, there was really no dirt there. It's just, you know, what an average person would probably do as a young person. But they they could never get the goods on Sarah Palin, but that didn't stop them from going after her. And they really don't have the goods on President Trump, at least from the journalistic standpoint. And I think if there was something to get, they would have gotten it by now because you know, someone would have made his or her career by reporting that, and it hasn't happened. So we'll see what Mueller comes up with, but, you know, I hope it's not another rush to judgment, which it probably will be, but, you know, if you go back a little bit in history, and of course, the Fox News Channel helped us a lot there. They did their seven-part scandalous series, which we've talked about and I've written about at the Hagman Report and at American Thinker, that was really an excellent series about uh, uh, the crimes of Bill Clinton and the Clintons, for lack of a better subject there. And it, it was, you know, chapter and verse. They nailed that story on Fox News there. And nothing like it on President Trump. So we shall see what we shall see. But it's, you know, a little history goes a long way. And I, I'm really disappointed in the american people i have to say including a lot of a lot of americans on the right because when i write articles for american thinker which get a lot of of response there are a lot of reader response and i get a lot of negative response people will say why are you bothering 
writing about this history or, or we know the story of Bill Clinton. Well, no, really, you don't, because if you didn't watch that series, Scandalous, you don't know the full story of Bill Clinton. Or like, uh, you know, I wrote several articles uh, in, in the past week and uh, a typical response. I, I got this response to uh, my article at American Thinker on uh, on on CNN and what they're doing. And this person said, I just wasted five minutes of my time at 6.45 a.m. to read your stupid article on the cable news channels. And I thought, well, nobody put a gun to your head to read it. It was, it was, I was not hiding the fact that this article was on, you know, these subjects of cable news. So why did you even bother reading it and wasting your time since you should have been pretty well aware that that's what I was writing about by the title and the first paragraph. And, you know, it points up a limitation that we have here often on the conservative right where people think they're holier than now. They will say, oh, I cut the cord X number of years ago. You know, I no longer watch cable news, and you're an idiot if you watch cable news and if you critique cable news, and why are you still doing this? And as I've explained many times, and as as Doug has explained many times, because he follows Fox News in certain ways because they've broken stories, especially Sean Hannity and some of the others on in prime time. And that's why we report on Fox News. And also, if we lose Fox News, which I'm afraid to say we are likely, that's likely to happen in the months or years ahead uh, as, as a real hardcore, conservative, reliable source, then we've got nothing left in the mainstream media. So before you wish that on us, holier-than-thou conservatives, I wish you would take a a broad-scale look at the whole landscape here because you may rue the day when you wished that Fox News was taken down like the rest of the media. And all we have left then is the alternative new media, which, of course, is our bread and butter now. That's what we're doing here and now, right at this very moment. But, you know, the story I turned up uh, and and shared with uh, you, Joe, and Doug, and your audience a week ago, I had written the one article about the rise of uh, Ben Shapiro last Monday at Mm -hmm. American Thinker and at the Hagman Report. And I got a lot of blowback on that from that because a lot of conservatives really like Ben Shapiro. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't like or follow Ben Shapiro, but I turned up some very interesting evidence building on some uh, other people and their blogs. And I shared this a week ago on the Hagman Report. And at that point, I only did what I thought would be part one of my article on Shapiro, an American thinker. But it largely went over like a lead balloon there, and it didn't get the number of clicks that would make a part two possible, in which I was going to get into how not only the people backing Ben Shapiro, that is the billionaires who are so far to the right that they don't like Donald Trump, President Trump, and they, their candidate was uh, Senator Cruz from Texas. You know, fine. But that was uh, not really out front there. There was not transparency. 
on how the people funding um, Ben Shapiro's uh, website and his podcast, which is now on a regular terrestrial radio, still apparently largely funded or co-funded by this group Forward LLC, which is supported by these billionaires in Texas. But it's not only them, and it's not only and their their properties, and it's not only Breitbart, which is well known to be funded by the Mercer uh, family, who are very wealthy. But you know, when you start to dig into it, it's many, if not most, of the highest and highest level and most successful conservative web websites. They've all got wealthy people or interests funding them. And again, I'm not saying that's bad or attacking them, but I'm saying, you know, hopefully we should know that that's where their funding is coming from and that that, of course, has to play an influence in the editorial policy of these websites. Now, an exception, as I noted last week, was American Thinker. But American Thinker, like the ones who are more independent, have to chase um, page views and, and clicks. So, understandably, you know, they don't have somebody paying them to say this or that, but they have to pay very close attention to how successful an article is. And, and that's very understandable. I understand and I'm very sympathetic with that. But if an article that I or anybody else writes for these more independent pub publication publications does not get the uh, number of clicks, then uh, you know you're not going to be able to go down that path as easily for follow-up articles. And I think that's what's happened to me. So I don't think a part two is going to be happening. And you know, it's a lot of work to research and produce these articles. For people who do not write for a living, which I no longer do because I'm not getting paid for these articles, but you know, they have to make the cut. They have to find an audience, and if they don't, they're not going to be published, you know? And either at Breitbart or um, Shapiro's publication, you know, they have to fit in to an editorial niche there. So I wouldn't even try because I, I can't deal with that. And thank God I've got HagmanReport.com, which I can put articles up at. And, you know, there's nobody sitting there saying it's got to get the requisite number of page views or it's got to fit into our editorial policy. It's, it's kind of a wide open forum, which is really great. Of course, the downside at this point is, it, you know, admittedly, it's not getting the number of automatic page views that an American thinker will get. But, you know, we work with the what we can, and I really appreciate uh, that venue. But, you know, still, it's it's tough because you have to when you set out as a writer to do to put days or in some cases weeks in to researching a story, well, if you're not getting paid for it, well, the next best thing is you're finding an audience. And, you know, that's what American Thinker and some of these other, uh, you know, bigger websites will bring you. And just pragmatically, you have to be, you have that expectation or 
you know, it's just not going to be worth it. So, you know, yeah. I like to try, try to let the audience in on, you know, on what's going on here because, uh, Joe, you and Doug have done this throughout the history of your program and it's really helped to build up a, a fantastic audience, which is pretty good in numbers, but it's also good in the quality of the audience and I know that firsthand now and uh, you know it's really worth a lot so I'm glad that we have this forum to try to enlighten and educate people as to this is what's happening it's the business I mean what I'm talking about today and last Monday it's it, it's the business behind the box we used to say that when writing about television, that the old television was a box. You know, now it's a flat screen, but it was a box. Yeah. And we, di we didn't often know about what was the business behind that box. And I did a lot of writing about that very subject 30 and 40 years ago. You know, it took a lot of research. And now I'm trying to do the same thing and, you know, not put all of my eggs in one basket to say this is all that I'm writing about the media because I do have other interests and other things. But, you know, that's the bottom line here. It's, it's what should be more transparent, but you can't hold your breath and wait that these conservative websites that in many cases we know and love, I don't have to mention their names. I mean, just look at the websites that are in the top 100 or the top 200 or the top 1,000. I think, according to Alexa, American Thinker is currently the top 4,000 in the United States, and that's still pretty good. You know, that means it has a, a good built-in audience, but, you know, they have their, American Thinker has its needs, too. And the higher you get on the food chain, when you, when you see a website that's in the top 100 conservative website or conservative or, or websites period you know that somebody is funding them and you know it's not going to be easy to publish there to write for them if you are really searching the truth so you know that's kind of where I'm coming from yeah and, and you covered a lot of ground there Peter and it's so important that we uh, have the alternative media that we have these other publications and uh, as we see that especially with what's just going on today the mainstream media and we're losing Fox News not only are we uh, seeing the, the threat of them being taken off the air or, or censored into silence but we're seeing uh, because we know that they cannot just out, come right out and, and shut down Fox News you're seeing also the, the infiltration and the attempt to uh, destroy it from the inside out as well as you know all the other things we're facing, and it is so important for you know people in the media and those who are uh, just casual observers to see what is going on in the mainstream versus what the truth really is, and that's why it's so important that people like Peter and others are able to write and put content out because not only is it informative and much more accurate than so many of these publications that are agenda or ideology driven, but it, it's also uh, very insightful to see what is important to all these different people and and what they catch uh, versus the you know uh, drivel and the teleprompter type mentality that we see from the mainstream media and uh, Peter we, we only got about ten minutes left in this interview so I want to make sure we cover this the speaking of media and the First Amendment you put a, a piece together California Democrat pushes new law to gut 
First Amendment. And when I read this, I was, uh, you know, it's not surprising that they want to do this. But what, how they want to go about doing this uh, is pretty crazy. And, and you talk about uh, what they're trying to pass a law that would only allow information that was fact-checked by state-sponsored fact-checkers into, uh, that, that would be the only media that people, that would be the only stuff that's published, the stuff that was fact-checked by the state I can't even be the dangers you know, of something this, like this are. This story, Joe, is like something out of your worst nightmare. Oh yeah, and yet, yet it's happening. Uh, in fact, it reminds me of there was an article that was published 23 years ago called "Superhighway to Dystopia" by Simon Davies, and someday I'm going to take a little bit of time to talk about that. But that can be Googled and read. And Simon Davies is a privacy expert in the UK. He's an academic. 23 years ago, he wrote an article which uh, you think, how did he have a crystal ball so clear to predict what we're seeing now? But right, I got onto this this crazy uh, law that's being proposed by a senator a state senator in California, Senator Dr. Richard Pan, P-A-N. It's called the Online False Information Act. And I first saw a reference to it in Breitbart five days ago, I believe. And then John Rappaport wrote an article about it today at his website, nomorefakenews.com. And I credit both of, of these writers for getting onto the story and advancing the story, but uh, let me just quote a few things from this projected Online False Information Act, which for all we know will pass in the state of California because they are so crazy. I mean, I mentioned as the introduction to my article that uh, California has given us such nutty things as the sanctuary state and, and open borders that Governor Jerry Moonbeam Brown has promised. And this crazy law that for businesses in California, if they cooperate with the ICE, with the federal agents meant to uh, police and, and enforce federal immigration law, they could be prosecuted under state law. I mean, it's absolutely insane. But this projected law says that any person who operates a social media internet website with physical presence in California, and by the way, they define that very, very broadly. So a social oh, yeah, media internet text. website can mean anything, a website, you, you, yeah, right. text. Even, even emails, yeah. Right. Yeah, anything. It's social media is broadly determined, and that means any, any website, any uh, text, email, any instant messages, on and on and on. Yes, they have to place a warning on a news story containing false information and that they will be regulated by those who will uh, evaluate whether they are, are presenting false or true information. And it's not spelled out in this bill how that will be determined. So, you know, th this is Orwellian out of 1984 George L. Orwell's book, to the max, and yet it's getting uh, hardly any publicity. And it reminds me, although the other thing I mentioned that California has done recently, and I wrote about this in both American Thinker and the Hagman Report several months ago, and we talked about it on one of our, our get-togethers here, where uh, right now, starting April 1st in California, 
everyone with a driver's license in that state will be automatically registered to vote. And presumably that also includes the one million plus illegal immigrants who have been given driver's licenses in the state of California. And when you ask the Democrat politicians there, well, doesn't it mean that? They'll hem and haw and say, well, no, because uh, the, the, the undocumented aliens who, have, who are here in California and have their driver's license would have to knowingly break the law to vote. Yeah, yeah, but they've got the driver's license and I don't think they're even asked to show ID when you go to vote in California. Oh, no. So of no. course That's they're going to be voting. Hundreds of thousands, if not more, will now be voting in California. And it's right out in the open, that kind of thing, in other localities in Chicago and in New York City where they're saying, oh, illegals should be able to vote. In fact, on Fox News, on Tucker Carlson's show, appearing frequently on his show and on other primetime shows is this Latina illegal advocate named Kathy Aru, A-R-E-U. And this is another left-winger on Fox News who drives anybody with a brain crazy because she was on Tucker Carlson's show last week making the very full-throated case on behalf of illegals being actually allowed to vote the minute they set foot in this country. In other words, anybody in this country, whether they're here legally or not, even if they're here on their first day, according to her, should be given the right to vote in local, state, and federal elections. And this is where it's going. This is where these people are saying it should go. And probably one half or more of the population here now believes in that because our country, especially California and some other states, has been reconquered by these illegal aliens, Mexicans or Central Americans, who have basically reconquered California. And I believe the population now in California, uh, a majority or a near majority, is made up of uh, Latinos. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah. unfortunately, when you take polls, most of them, if not almost all of them, whether they're here legally or not, think that their illegal brethren, you know, where they came from originally, should be allowed to vote. So we're on a very shaky ground here. We are, our country is now, uh, you know, on a, on a bed of quicksand. And, uh, you know, the, the mainstream media has largely been responsible for this and you know I wanted to share this anecdote that for baby boomers who are old enough they remember the old Walter Cronkite CBS Evening News and he which ended in 1981 but he would introduce that newscast by saying tonight you know featuring uh, Nelson Benton in Atlanta Georgia or Robert Pierpoint at the White House and he would run down the whole list of who was going to contribute to that show that night and where they were going to come from. And I thought, you know, it's not so different now when you have even conservative websites that we rely on when they basically have a rundown of writers and topics but who are determined not by the producers and editors of that era but by kind of a democratic vote through clicks and through page views, which is sort of like the 
an, an indication of what we would have if we have direct democracy. I mean, we are not a democracy. No. People constantly go, going on the media and saying, well, our democracy. No, we are a constitutional republic. And I believe John Robertson said that in his article that he posted today at Hagman Report. Thank you, John. And if I'm correct there. And, you know, so if we, this is like a, an indication if these people like Bernie Sanders and others say we should have direct democracy so that everybody can vote. Oh, do you want to have, do you want to tax the rich so we can sit on our butts and not have to work? Yes, I vote yes. Do you want to uh, have direct dem democratic vote so some stupid law like Obamacare? Oh, yes, you know, a, a bare majority would probably vote for that. But we're already getting that in a way when even conservative sites will follow the clickbait. So now, you know, that's who's determining what we see and what we, re we read. And, of course, it's even worse when you go to the mainstream media because, you know, that's what they're giving. They're giving red meat to their viewers by tossing out these attacks on President Trump, these uh, promotions for socialism and, and even more. I mean, I hear people saying constantly, you know, these politicians on the left, we have to ensure that we have a good health care for everyone. Well, excuse me, I thought that's what Obamacare was going to deliver, you know, and that was voted in in 2010 by a very small margin. And, and didn't that take care of the problem there? Well, no, of course not, because it can't. Socialized medicine does not work, even if it's socialized medicine light. And now they're talking about socialized medicine heavy. And yeah, they'll vote it in. And if they get, you know, control of Congress or God forbid, get the next president to be a Democrat. So, Really, I don't know where we go from here, Joe, but we just have to be vigilant. We have to be vigilant, too, at even the conservative websites, including those citizen journalists who I fully support and what they're doing. But we have to know where are they coming from, and we have to test the validity of what they are putting out. Not to say it's wrong or right, but we have to evaluate it based on our own reading of the situation. We can't rely on somebody else. Yes, Americans as a whole have become dumber over time, but so has the media. It's totally corrupt. It's giving us nothing but garbage on the whole in the mainstream media, especially the popular culture. So it's a big responsibility that we have. And I think many of the listeners and the viewers of the Hagman Report and the readers of HagmanReport.com are up to the challenge. That's my gut feeling. So we have a lot to work with there, but uh, we also have to spread the message because a lot of even the center right or the extreme right, uh, you know, new media out there is not quite up to the challenge. And, and some of the articles that are written, you know, first drafts, many of them are not up to the standard that we have to hold here. We have to be very vigilant. We have to be very smart in the days, months, and year ahead, especially this year, 2018. And if we let down our guard and follow false prophets, and that's what I was talking about last week when I uh, took on, in a, in a small way, Ben Shapiro. Yes, the guy has done some good work, you know, 
and and people like Tommy Lahren at at uh, Fox he's, News. But Peter, we have I don't mean to, to cut hold... you off. He's got a great following, but uh, as you said, you know the Never Trump stuff. Uh, there, there's some other things there that people don't like. But hey, uh, we can d- agree to disagree on some things, but we got to know what we're dealing with. Peter, we are absolutely out of time. Uh, I want to say thank you for for joining us. It was a fantastic hour. It went so fast, and we thank covered a lot you, of ground. It's great. It's great to. Uh, work off of your knowledge and expertise because uh, you're really first rate so it's fabulous to engage with you and you as well don't forget check out Peter's articles on Hagman Report also on American Thinker Peter thanks for the great work that'll do it for us tonight we'll be back here tomorrow have a great night everyone